I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his MB. Episode number 26, another episode of a gay and his MB. Thank you all so much for listening wherever you listen to us, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anything in between. Thank you again so much for listening. Uh, be sure to leave a review. Um, it helps uh, get us into the algorithms and boost it and get our podcast out to more people. So we really, really appreciate it. Uh, and leave a rating as well. Um, also, uh, we've been, uh, we put it out on our TikTok uh, recently, but like if you guys have any questions to, for us about anything that we talk about or any questions you have for us, you can also submit that to us across our social media or uh, by email at gayandhismb at gmail.com. And who knows, we may answer on a future episode of the podcast. Um, and speaking of social media, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, we're doing a lot of things, a lot of different places. Uh, speaking of a lot of different things, next week we're going to be talking about a lot of different things because we will have the return of Drag Race with All Stars 8. Yes, indeed. Super excited about that. Um, with the return of uh, another franchise thing of Drag Race whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, because there's Canada, there's UK, there's All Stars, there's US. Like, you know what I mean. Um the return of Drag Race in some form, we will be back up to five things to review, and therefore we'll be in two-episode format next week. Yep. So make sure to look out for that bonus episode on Saturday next week. Um, but this week, before we get to any of that, we are going to be talking about Jersey. Uh, we've got uh, episode 13 of Jersey this week. Uh we got uh, season uh, 44, episode three, uh, sorry, episode 10 of Survivor. Um, yeah, uh, Survivor was another really good one this week. I yeah, really enjoyed. Big episode. Um, we have, speaking of big episodes, we're going to be talking about last night's episode is two nights ago for you listening on Friday. Um, we're recording of, this like hours removed from, uh, watching the reunion trailer that just got released. Oh my God. Van, like Vanderpump is what's keeping me up at night. <laughs> it's, whew. um, uh, so Vanderpump, we got, we're going to be talking about that, but before we get to any of that, we got a new show. We got a new show. We have, uh, Atlanta season 15 debuted this past Sunday and we are going to start with that. So it was a good first episode, I think for the season. Like I think Atlanta's in a Atlanta, I mean the COVID era made it really rocky. I mean, but, that was across the board with Bravo. Like, yeah. But I think like it's kind of settled into a really nice place. And this was a good episode with some good drama. These girls are coming for each other. I feel like Ooh. after the last reunion, like they're like, okay, we know where our lasers are pointed, like on both sides, and we're just gonna keep firing. Like, you know, it's like people talk all the time in Housewives about a takedown season. Like there are multiple takedown seasons happening at the same time. Oh yeah. It's like inception. It's takedown season within takedown season within takedown season. Yeah. It's really good. Um, so we start, uh, well, we get like a little like noir, like intro package of like the party that we'll get to later and sort of things that are boiling over. And then we get the big graphic of four days earlier to sort of like, uh, see how things are progressing. We start over at Chateau Charest, um as her new boyfriend, Martel, comes over. And he mm -hmm. has just come back from, I guess, a photo shoot at Upscale Magazine. And he's still in a suit. And the basement's <laughs> finished now. It's, it's fully finished. She has the <laughs> baseboards and the trim. Um, and so what did, what did we think of Martel 
in the early going. L- putting aside what we what I told you about sort of his right cuz he cuz he's on what's the Love show he's on Love and Marriage Huntsville which is on OWN which okay. is like it's basically their answer to housewives sort of Okay. I mean I mean he looks pretty. He's very he, he's got a lot of pretty things. Got there, a lot of pretty things that they did not shy away from <laughs> zooming in on. I production is just like it's all gay men, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. because they zoomed in on his bulge real hard. Production leans in with Atlanta a lot. I a feel, lot in terms of like we like there's a lot of editing moments too where it was like the I feel like Bravo was like give them the creative freedom with Atlanta to just do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Like, um, but no, like so he comes from like I mentioned from the show Love and Marriage Huntsville, and he's from my understanding i don't watch the show but like he's divorced he has kids with this woman melody i want to say her name is mm-hmm. um i did show you the scene um of him showing up at Oof. his daughter's birthday party that he was uninvited to and that that was messy very messy and so yeah he you kind of get a sense of his character sort of in the early goings and he's coming into this show with a bit of a reputation um, but Sheree says, despite what you see on TV, Martell shows her nothing but respect. I feel like when you're prefacing with that, it's like. I mean, but Sheree also has not had a history of picking great guys. Yeah. So I don't really necessarily trust her picking this one. No. She, she's basically like, I'm really happy that I didn't give up on love after everything that happened with Tyrone last year, leaving her stranded in Philadelphia. And, and I love the producer asked, like, so you're in love? And Trey's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> she said, I left it open to love. Yeah, there's a difference. Um, it, yeah, so Sheree then so basically says, like, he has, she has a surprise for Martel, so tells him to, like, go get dressed. And there's, like, a woman at the door, and it's a chef, I guess, that's, like, cooking dinner for them. Um, this Sh- motherfucker. This is, where, this is where you were talking before, though, what Sheree says that Martel definitely exudes big dick energy, and you get the full close-up on him, like, yanking up the pants and, like, the... F- Tucking the anaconda away. The full package. Um, and so, and, oh, but then Martel comes out and sees the chef cooking, and he's like, this was a surprise? And basically thought, like, it was going to be a threesome? Like, and he says this in front of the chef. The chef looks really uncomfortable when he says this. That, Oh, that is so sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, Sheree said in her confessional that she considered a th- she at one point considered a threesome with Bob, her ex. Um, but then uh, he basically did it with somebody else. So, oh, Bob. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. Um, they talk about uh, Ross's party that Sanya's throwing uh, for his 40th and that it's like a, a Harlem Nights themed uh, party. Um, Sheree basically tells him that Candy uh, will be at the party, and Martell is like, "That should be interesting." After she basically called me an opportunist, which, yep, she kind of did, but you know. And then Martell is basically like, "That's funny because he, you know, Todd's the real opportunist." Which Todd, the fact people love pulling that card on Todd, like season after season, but like, no, he what? Yeah. He already had a good... He was a producer on this show. Sure. Like, he didn't need... But Mama Joyce said that once, and and I feel like people then just ran with it after that, because it's like, that's the good... Mama Joyce be making shit up. That's true. And Martel's like, aren't they both, like, three three feet tall, both of them? And it's like... 
like this Sheree has been like setting the like we talk about the bone collector. She's setting the bones for candy right now. Sheree is dead set on candy. Oh yeah, in the early goings of this season. And then Sheree basically, well, we also find out later that part of it is because of these um, spoof videos that Candy's been doing. Which, they were funny. Like, come on. Yeah. And honestly, it's not like she was making anything new. Like, it was literally exactly (laughs) what you already said. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know why you mad, Sheree. Sheree then says that Kenya uh, will be excited to meet them. And that Kenya's always texting, how's Martel? And Martel's like, well, that would be good because I've never met her. Which we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get to that later. Um, and then they, they go to the bedroom and Sheree's like, we need to start an OnlyFans. So that's how it starts. Sheree <laughs> <Sure. laughs> getting it in. Um, <laughs> we go to Candy's studio and Candy is meeting with uh, Don Juan and Carmen, who we haven't seen for a bit while, Carmen. And that they got the candy-coated click back together. Can we talk about the information that we heard during the break I, for this show? I knew you were going to bring this up. That man is straight. Don Juan is somehow, he is the gayest straight man I've ever seen. He is a card-carrying homosexual, and you're going to tell me he's married to a woman? There was a great, there's a great video online that's like Don, Don Juan's straightest moments, and it's just him like fighting with Portia and like dragging. <laughs> it's like, uh, um, Don Juan asked, asked if uh, Candy's talked to Sheree and they talk about the She by Sheree website crashing uh, when she released everything originally. Um, and Sheree's like, look, it's a good thing. Everyone's in, it, it, it means it was in demand. Okay. Absolutely not. Candy talks about how she tried to help Sheree, but basically she didn't want to pay no, nobody. That tracks. <laughs> it's what we know about Sheree. Um, you know, hey, at least she's denying the service now instead of getting the service and then saying, no, I'm not going to pay the invoice. Yeah, that's at least there's that. At least be a little proactive. At <laughs> least there's no theft of service. There we go. Um, they're talking basically they're bringing back Candy Coated Nights, her like web series, like sex talk podcast mm-hmm. uh, situation. Um, but Candy's also talking about how it's now it's like another thing on her plate. And this is a recurring theme with Candy is that she constantly has like a hard like work life balance. Um, She says that Ace, her young son, basically says that mommy works too much. And then we cut to this like really sad confessional of like Ace FaceTiming her in the confessional and like wanting her and like crying. So like that's, you know, Candy's struggled with this problem a lot. And I feel like you see it certain cases with certain housewives where it's like they're so business driven that yeah. it's like well but i also don't think that it's necessarily that she's business driven i think that she is like she just she gets bored if she doesn't have something going on yeah and there's also the the idea like of black people black women in particular having to work 20 times harder to get as much right right the topic also of like generational wealth and like right wanting to like you can't stop and the theory is that you can't stop until like right because Mama Joyce did not have money before Candy made it yeah you know and it that's no knock on Mama Joyce that's you know a knock on our country yeah a knock on society like so I mean Candy has always been the breadwinner even as uh, a young kid you know she you know, churned out those 
amazing tracks for TLC <laughs> and had her band and her band music group whatever her girl group and um you know has won Grammys and out here bringing dollars in hand over fist and always has so she doesn't know any different yeah it's it's hard it's it, it's a struggle and we'll see it also throughout this episode um Kenya and Moneta then arrive um and uh basically so uh, Ke- uh Moneta's husband Heath I guess recently had a party and Kenya brought a man that Moneta had uh, set her up with Roy and she's talking about how he's really charming and and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff um and it's sort of getting her back into the groove of things she's been still i mean she's been separated from mark since 2019 and we and she talked also when she was on watch what happens live that like the divorce process is still ongoing and this it, asshole and it just seems and from from her account like it just seems like he's like things are literally like everything should be finalized but he's just drawing well, the process and out andy mm-hmm. andy specifically asked her do you think he's being vindictive? Do you think he's doing this on purpose yeah. to hurt you? And she just gave him a look because it's like, yeah, I think that, but I can't say that because he will then weaponize that against me in court. Yeah. So no, I'm not going to speak poorly about him. And the fucking fact that he in court filings is trying to claim uh, uh, ownership of more manor when he didn't fucking come into the picture until she already built that place. Like, give me a fucking break. Like Mark's an asshole. Um, that we get into um, th- uh, the spoof videos that Candy's been making about Sheree, and Candy's just like, you know, she want to be clickbait. She's clickbait. That's what she said at the reunion. And Candy's like, you know, Sheree doesn't remember the shade she throws all the time, so I'll just do the same and be like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Um, Kenya asks if Sheree's gonna bring Martel uh to the party, and I love Manana being like, is she serious? I hope not. <laughs> Like in terms of their their relationship, because then we start to see that headlines are coming out that Martel is already cheating on Sheree with a younger woman, and like Candy and Moneta talk about what they've heard in the streets, um, and and that stuff. And then we find out from Kenya that Martel, she says very lightweight, slid into her DMs. And to be fair, she was talking about what he said in there, and it's like. Okay, there's nothing bad about what you said in well, this DM, but he did. Do we send find her out the DM? DM because he, it said originally it was deleted because she had it. I think it was one of the Instagram DMs where you have to accept, like, because if you don't follow somebody, like, and then you get to see it because they were like, oh, accept it, accept it, and then they couldn't like see it originally. I think what happened is that he deleted it on his end, but because she hadn't accepted it, she couldn't see the change in the right. conversation. So then she s- clicked accept, and it disappeared. Yeah. And I think, like... But she had mentioned that it was just... It was innocuous, what, she had, what he had said. Well, and the whole discussion also was like, oh, well, this is from, like, two years ago. Why is Kenya bringing this up? It's like, I think Kenya was more just saying, like, should I talk to Sheree about this? Because, like, if, the, if she's going to be with this guy... She, you know, right. I'd rather her know about it now and not. And it come up later. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Kenya in her confessionals, is, every time Martel looks at a woman, they come back pregnant. Luckily, Sheree doesn't have to worry about this anymore. <laughs> the, again, this was the, conf- this was the confessional shade. There are so many moments of shade in this episode oh, yeah. that are like back and forth, back and forth. Um, Kenya then asked Candy and Todd about Todd and how they're doing. And, uh, Candy talks about how Todd basically feels like Candy doesn't make enough time for him with, because I guess he's writing movies now, 
and uh, wants Candy to sort of like direct or uh, produce them, which she's like, I don't want to, like, I don't need that on my plate. Like, it's not what I, you know, passionate about. Um, and then Candy talks about how like she was getting frustrated because Todd had originally asked about Candy going through the script at like uh, at like eleven on some day, and Candy basically was like, I have an interview at that time. And then later on in the day, he said that he had his table read at four, and that oh, I moved it for for them because they couldn't do it at four and it's like okay but, but you, you wouldn't move it for me and candy starts tearing up and being like he, ju- he feels like he just wants to make me a problem yeah in this situation um and it's sad like i think i i hate when candy and todd fight <laughs> like like yeah you know um and kenya's basically like look i don't want you to end up in the same like divorce spiral that i'm in right now where it's just like feels like it's never ending like it's a it's a mess and like basically like you need to find a way to make more time to be with Todd, which I do agree. Like in ter- in the family, I would say more right. than anything. Um, we go over to Sanya's house and Sanya basically is her whole house is packed with her family. It's got her mother and dad living with them and her sister and brother in law and their kids and it's like a lot. Um, we mentioned like she's organizing Ross's 40th Harlem Nights uh, birthday party and basically wants to redeem herself from last year in terms of her party skills, which was pretty bad <laughs> when the selfie camera didn't work and you had like party city decorations. Look, and- I figure between this party and that party, it averages out to something that makes sense. We'll get to that because I feel like there should have been a middle ground, <laughs> but we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. There's gotta be a middle ground. You can't, go from party city to like the storage room at a Vanderbilt estate and expect <laughs> that to be the two different places you pull decor from. Yeah. And we find out that Tyrell, her brother-in-law is working with her as her assistant, essentially to sort of have him mm-hmm. transition. Now he's moved to Atlanta. Um, and sure. Shuri, Shuri, I think it's Shuri. Shuri. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. Uh, basically. And that's her sister. It basically says like, He's like, you don't respect Tyrell's boundaries. And I was like, okay. Like, just right off the bat. Like, very blunt about it. And um, she basically brings up this example about how Sonya, you know, uh, I was cooking dinner or whatever, and Sonya goes to my kids, and it's like, oh, you want to play outside or whatever when my dinner's already done? And she literally goes, then I have to be the evil bil- villain because Dingbat decided to ask a four- and five-year-old if they want to go outside because she's in a bubble not paying attention to anyone. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, like you've been on screen for three seconds. It, it was worried. Like she got a confessional as well later where I'm like, Oh God, it's like, is this going to, I saw a tweet where it's like, is this going to be a Mia Jacqueline situation that we oh, see? No. Here's hoping not. Um, and Sonia basically talks about how she has always sort of like supported her family financially. And also because of that, her pa- family essentially works for her. And it's like her parents have been her managers when she was a track star. And, her sister, Shari, did her hair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. So it, that seems like what the struggle is going to be. And Shari basically says that Sonia has to realize that her priorities are different now that she's not doing track anymore. Like, we're, we don't, we're, we're not, like, all right. your servants, essentially, even though you're paying us. But, you know, who knows? We'll see how that goes. I mean, that comes down to time management. If he's not, like... You you have to put boundaries in place yeah. and go, I'm clocking out now. And if you need your assistant after that time to schedule something or whatever, write it down 
hand it to him in the next morning. Like, it's really not that hard. And y'all live in the same house. You could put it on a whiteboard, and then you don't have to hand it to him. He just reads it the next morning. Yeah. Easy peasy. It, it can't be that. And also, I like, I don't, what is her schedule? Like, no offense. Like, I'm not shading her, but like. What do you do? I, I'm sure she does interviews <laughs> and, and press stuff, but it's like, I don't, you know, when you're on the off season from Atlanta, like, I don't know. Um, Todd is uh, working on his script at the house and Candy is with the kids and basically wants family time. And Candy <laughs> just passively, aggressively s- singing is like Todd's getting, want, trying to get off this Zoom. Just singing, I don't have the energy to get all this done. <laughs> like, that is like the <laughs> passive... That's my firm of passive-aggressive <laughs> where it's just, yeah. Oh, jeez. So then we get Marlo's redemption scene where she basically tries to rehab her image from last season <laughs> and has Taco Tuesday with her nephews. Um, I'm, I'm being harsh, but like, I mean, Marlo had a bad season, her first season. Like, she was doing way too much. And then also, this stuff with the boys did not help. No. In terms of the. Well, it's so weird to think of it as her first season because she's been here for like 10 years. Right. But first official season. And, yeah. like, she had to, like, prove herself in many ways. I also... So, we find out her sister's been... Still hasn't, hasn't been in contact with her, her son since getting out of jail. But we say this as we cut to Marlo's confessional. And we see... And we busted out laughing. These giant fucking earrings. Like, the size <laughs> of, like... I don't even know. Like, it was, like... They were hula hoops. It was insane. I... And someone, should, I guess, like it's like Gabrielle Union has a pair of these exact earrings, and it, I think, it works for the right head. You need you a certain, have to have a very long neck yes. to pull that off, and she doesn't have it a long enough neck because they sit on her shoulder blade or on her um, clavicles. Yeah, and it's like, what are you doing, girl? Yeah, and Marlo is like, you know, my sister hasn't been in contact with them, and so like the way it is, like you know. They're not going anywhere, and this dynamic is, you know, forever, it, it feels like. And then Marlo's life coach, Miss um, Sharon, comes over, because I guess they've been doing life coach lessons with her and the boys and stuff like that. Um, and Marlo's, and oh, Sharon's like, so you guys have been doing this for three years now, and, you know, you, it's been, you know, you've been learning the path of, like, how to parent and stuff like that. And Marlo goes, then I made one mistake, and everyone made me feel like I was an awful person. Okay. <laughs> You, li- I'm sorry. How are people supposed to react when you say that you kicked the boys out of the house because they were being teenagers? Uh, yeah. Like after their mother already abandoned them. I I don't know. But William, one of the boys, apologizes for putting stress on her, and they hug. Which absolutely like, not. You're a child. Yeah. It's. I, I get so mad when parents resent their children for being being children. Yeah. Like fuck all the way off and there's structure and i understand like like teaching them structure in terms of like education and in terms of like chores around the house and stuff but like the the solution is not to just give them up like it's it's crazy um yeah so and they talk basically they, they talk about crafting a mission statement and like what you know, and essentially it's about, you know, them coming together when times are tough and sort of like that's the sort of mission statement for the family. And Marlo talks about and I, and I feel like this is genuine, like learning more about like gentle parenting, because obviously her upbringing was very harsh and mm-hmm. like intense and like, you know, being like, well, what I say goes and, you know, whatever. But it's like having a mutual respect for both people is right. important. So I do like that. 
Um, Sonya then goes over to Sheree's for a workout. Um, <laughs> I love they start the workout and like Sonya immediately like is like they're like just talking and like Sonya brings up her issues with her sister, which is essentially her storyline seemingly for the season. And then the doorbell rings and Sheree's like, okay, whatever. I'm going to let Courtney in. Also, I love how all the scenes with Sheree this season or this episode are either her working out or at this party. Yeah. Because the first scene with Martell coming over, she was in leggings and a... She really wants to show off that new butt. I guess. It's a good butt, though. I, I... To be fair, she got those TikTok leggings. Yes. That, like, make your butt look even better. So, like... Who knows? Um, and so, like I mentioned, Courtney then shows up. So Courtney's the new friend of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, she's friends with Sheree because their kids both went to school together. Um, Sheree then says, like, you know, she's really great. She's a Capricorn. She's no nonsense. I'm like, that didn't really prove itself this episode. <laughs> there was a lot of nonsense happening from Courtney <laughs> this episode. Uh, yeah. Um, so... I, when I also love they sit down and have like a drink or whatever. And Courtney's like, you know, talking about herself. And she's like, yeah, I have a marketing company and I have a jewelry brand. And she like makes the point to show the jewelry. Like, like. Bitch, it, you're not a housewife. Stop with the ad. It's placement. like, I get it. Like everything is product placement now. But it's like we like, oh, my God. Like, let us warm up to you as a person to where then I may be interested in what your jewelry brand is. I swear in four in four years or so, housewives are just going to start turning the camera and going, and that's why I love Squarespace. I know, right? <laughs> Scan the QR code. Um, so they talk about the party uh, that Sanya's hosting, and Courtney, they, talk, they say Candy's going to be there. And Courtney's like, yeah, Candy, you know Candy, and like, yeah, Candy seems cool, but people uh, were calling around asking about her, saying uh, that, you know, she's been saying that I was saying that we were friends. And they're like, what? Which I didn't get why this, why was this a big deal? Are you offended that someone might think you're her friend? Yeah. She's like, yeah, she pulled up my Instagram and asked what they knew, what those people knew about me. You know, cause I think you're, you're global and you're worldwide. So why are you so concerned with me? Because she constantly has people trying to attach themselves to her coattails and ride the wave. And not to mention the fact that she already had to deal with the fact that people were accusing Todd of doing that. Yeah. So it's like she doesn't want anything else dealing with riding her coattails. She's done with that bullshit. And, like, if she gets an inkling that somebody might be trying to do that, she's going to nip it in the bud. And spoiler alert, you kind of are. Uh-huh. You kind of are riding her coattails a little bit through this. Um, Sheree says that Candy has a lot of time on her hands, including to make memes. Um, and then Sheree in her confessional, the only time Candy is to talk about me or other people is when she's eating or sucking dick, but not in the locker room because <laughs> of the whole <laughs> locker room yeah. question last season. Um, so, okay. So then we go to Ross's birthday and Sonya shows up setting up everything and it looks great. And then we find out. The original budget that Sonya laid out, because you have casino tables and, mm-hmm. and all this, was forty thousand uh, dollars. A, a measly forty thousand dollars. Just then, a little. And then we find out, you know, stuff's just like adding up, and now it's a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. I literally stopped. We had to pause the episode. I turned and looked at you and said, "That is my entire college debt. That is literally a home." Like that's a whole like that's a literal house. How no party should be worth that much. It's 
it's no party ridiculous. should be more. No party should be worth more than the most expensive car. Yeah, honestly, like it's it's. But I I feel weird when people say that they spent like ten thousand dollars on a, a party. Sure. So it's like this is just ridiculous. So Candy and Todd are getting dressed <laughs> for the party. Um, and Todd is getting his uh, outfit and that together. And he says, uh, so no pimp hat. And Candy goes, not unless you want Marlo coming to you for a job. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Candy, uh, we talked about the shade before. Candy's shade was intense this episode, and she was activated. She was like, people joke all the time. of like, sometimes Candy's a boring housewife, but when she's activated and she's fighting somebody, she's good. Like, oh, yeah, she's on. Yeah, I've never found her boring, but that's just me. Sure. Um, people have different tastes. Um, but uh, we also see that Marlo getting ready and talking to Rico, her stylist, and that this will be the first time she's seen Candy since the reunion in New York. And and Rico brings up the spoof video that she made about Marlo and her edges and (laughs) with the wig that was like down her forehead. And this I busted out loud (laughs) because Marlo goes, you know, stick to the spoof. Stick to the spoofs, baby, because Broadway, Broadway ain't working out for you, and singing ain't working out for you. Literally airing a week after Candy just got a Tony nomination. <laughs> also, she has multiple Grammys. Like, like, you could not have picked two things that she is better at yeah. to say she's bad at. And then Marlo then makes another short joke as well of Candy and being like, you can meet me right where my hairline is, like, <laughs> which was a little funny. I mean, I guess, but at a certain point, you're running out of jokes that actually matter and are actually cutting, and you got to resort to making fun of their height. Yeah. Come on. So everyone then starts arriving to the uh, party. Um, Drew is not there, but Ralph is. And Ralph is showing up, and Kang is like, where's Drew at? And she said, he says, Drew has a, like a family crisis. And Kang is like, Oh, and Kenya in her confession was like, he forgot he was married to the crisis. Like, you got to be there, Ralph. That's part of your family, too. And Ralph, I did not get Ralph's explanation whatsoever of like, you know, you know, Drew's father's really sick and, and, you know, she has to be with him. But I had to be there to show love to my boy, Ross. It was giving very, um, I know that your dad just died last year. (laughs) And I know today is the anniversary of his death. But there's going to be, like, monster trucks and, like, these bulldozers in the desert. What and so is we're with, just going to go. <laughs> what is with this season of not going to people's funerals or, uh, or significant, like, health events when you're married to someone or, or significantly dating someone? What is with this? But also, I love him being like, you know, I, I just had to be there for my good boy, Ross. You've known Ross for, like, a year, less than a year. Like what the fuck? Like, like this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand it. It. He wanted camera time. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. We don't. We won't go too deep in. But like, obviously, once the season finished, like then the news came out that Drew and Ralph are getting a divorce, and like they raced to like file the divorce. So I'm sure we're gonna see a lot of this play out similarly, like oh, Scandal yeah. on Atlanta. Oh. I really liked Drew last season. I didn't love Drew her first season, but then I warmed up to her last season a little yeah. bit. So I hope she sticks it to Ralph because Ralph's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, he's always been. Um, I, I noted, so like some of them have like, the hair choices were weird for this like sort of like costume. 
Marlo was the only one that looked good with the bob. Kenya's bob was off. Yeah. And I love Kenya. But like Kenya's bob was very um very costume. Yeah. It didn't look natural on her. Um, they're waiting for Sanya and Ross to walk out, but Sheree shows up and Kenya mistakes her and goes, That's our girl of the hour. And Candy goes, That is not our girl of the hour. <laughs> like, I do not fuck with her. Um, so Sanya then welcomes everyone to the party. They they start drinking and having a good time and playing games and stuff like that. Um, Sheree brings Martel over to the girls to introduce him mm-hmm. and all that. Candy in her confessional. You know, last year, Sheree was with Mr. Community Service. This year, she's with Community Property. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, from what I've been told, yeah. That, that's what who the, like, that's what we call Community Penis. That's from some show. I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, he's definitely Community Penis. <laughs> and Sonya in her confessional, he ain't got no ankle bracelet on, so I think it's an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, and then Candy and Sheree kind of have like this awkward greeting. And Sheree, Sheree does that like when you aren't, you don't fuck with someone, but you do like the really high pitch, like, hey, guys, how you doing, girl? Like, like, yeah. like clearly like faking Oh my it. God, hi. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she says, if the candy go to click and her keep it cute, they'll be good in her confessional. She says this. Um, so Kenya then asked if it's official between Sheree and Martel. Is this a, you know, is this an official thing? And Sheree's just staring at her like, Kenya's like, why are you looking at me like that? And Sheree's like, I know you're up to something. Like, and they're kind of laughing and joking, but like, I feel like Sheree is snuffing out what's going on. And, and I think Sheree's, I can feel like Sheree's very defensive in the early going. And I mean, she has a right to be defensive considering, but like also... Girl, you got really shitty taste in men. Yeah. Like, they're looking out for you. And then Sheree in her confessional, Kenya is so damn nosy. Stop worrying about my relationship and start worrying if Mark is going to take more manor in the divorce settlement. That and, was cold. And I was like, oh, that's too far. And then she adds at the end, and hopefully he adds baseboards. And I'm like, oh, you got me back, Sheree. <laughs> at, least, at least make it funny at the end. And then, but it was like, ooh, girl, you cut to the quick on that one. Yeah, and then Kenya in her confessional says that Sheree needs her own spinoff show called Watch Me Date These Dumb Dudes. Uh, and uh, that, I mean, that was a good read, but also it should have been Who Gonna Date Me, Boo. There it is, yeah. It's like, right it there. It was right there. <laughs> um, Marlo talks to Courtney and asks about, because I guess Sanya brought up to Marlo what Courtney had said about Candy. Um, and Marlo's just like, I'm excited this drama has not involved me. And says, if there's tea, you know I'm going to sip it. And then does like mm-hmm. the sip in her confessional. Um, Courtney says um, the person who told her this has no reason to lie, essentially. So she's sticking to her story. Um, Ken- Candy and Kenya talk about Martel. And Candy says that, he, that she knows another girl in Atlanta that Martel is apparently kicking it with. <laughs> and I love Kenya going, I mean, if it's just about the D, let it be about the D. <laughs> And then Candy's like, but what if it ain't just about the D? Right. I mean, there's a lot of D for it to be about, but. Yeah. Um, And Candy's like, maybe he told Sheree already. So, like, who knows? Like, it's, they're like, I don't know what this Sheree Martel thing is, but like, it seems like they have a lot of question marks to it in general. Yeah. Um, Kenya is like, I need to pull Sheree aside or whatever, sort of talk to her to approach the subject. And then Candy and Courtney meet up with Sonya. And Candy and Courtney say hi to each other. And then Cor- th- Courtney, was so- Courtney was trying it so hard with this. And 
she's like, so my business partner called and asked if, uh, if I said that me and Candy were friends. And Candy's like, someone had asked me if I knew Courtney, and I said I didn't know her. <laughs> like, and I guess they have this mutual person named Dina Marto who's in like the music industry mm-hmm. or whatever. And she's like, I, I heard her, her and Courtney were doing business together, Candy says. And Candy's like, I don't know nobody else who knows Courtney, and that's not Shade. <laughs> like, I just don't. Like, um, Candy then says uh, she doesn't really know Courtney like that. And Courtney's like, I didn't say I kn- that I knew you. I said we were in similar social settings. Already, like, coming with an attitude about this. And already, like, backtracking. Yeah. It's like, and Candy immediately is, like, picking up what's going down, and it's just like, I don't get what the energy you're giving off right now. Like, this is like, I literally just sp- I've spoken to you for like two minutes and like, you're kinda- like, you're literally trying, like Candy did everything except for say, you're literally trying to create a moment on camera. Basically. And this is bullshit. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if she did. And I loved Marlo immediately just rolling up to listen from behind. Like, just like, <laughs> just like keeping her ear to things. Um, we go to, so Magneta is over with Sheree in Kenya, and Magneta asks Sheree if, if she's serious with her, the whole thing with her and Martel, because her and Candy had heard some things about him dating someone in Atlanta. And then Sheree is like, kind of laughs it off almost in a sense, and then her confessional is like, oh, so finally Magneta has a voice after being quiet all last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she makes this analogy that she's a Ferrari and the other girl, if, if there is another girl, she's a Toyota. And she's like, if he wants to downgrade, that's on him. Okay, uh, that's weird. <laughs> like, I, I, that's not something I would say about a partner or someone who yeah, I Yeah, that's... Mm. That, that's say, like, like, I can't tell if they're partners or they're casually dating. I think they just fucking... I think... Mm, that's fair. And then we go back to Candy and Courtney. And Courtney then says that she was told Candy said that she claimed Candy as a friend. And Candy's like... I just asked if they knew Courtney because she saw Candy saw a picture of her and Dina. And like, I know Dina. I don't know her. (laughs) Um, The truth is, I don't know you. And Courtney goes, the truth is, I don't know you. And starts like bobbing. Like, like Candy picks up the like, it's like, you're bobbing way too much in terms of this conversation. If I was Candy, I know that they don't like when you break the fourth wall, but I literally would have turned and pointed at the camera and gone, the camera's right there. Go ahead and give your little speech. I don't need to be here for this. Yeah. And I would have turned around and walked away. And Candy tells her to back up, essentially. So Sanya tries to kind of referee a little bit. And Sanya's like, look, I, you know, I, you seem like a good person, Courtney. You know, we had a good conversation. I do feel like you're bringing a certain en- energy to this. And then Courtney apologizes. And I put air quotes on apologizes because she gets really sort of like, like passive aggressive about it and, and goes, I apologize. Thank you for checking me, Sanya. And, you know, I'm grown enough to be accountable that my feelings were hurt. I have nothing but positive things to say about her. And I was pretty disappointed. I don't have to clout chase. Literally all you're doing right now. And Candy's literally like, there you go again. <laughs> like, literally, like, you're, you're, like, you were starting so good. And then you put the shade on the end to where it's like, what the fuck? Like, and then Candy's like, and again, Courtney starts bouncing again. And Candy's like, stop bouncing at me. And Courtney's like, calm the fuck down. And, and then they had to sort of like get people in between them because Candy then goes, I'm about to headbutt this bitch. <laughs> like, Candy is high society now, but 
bitch used to be bad about it. And yeah. I'm like, people need to stop. Someone said that it was giving red hair candy from, um, remember the pillow talk uh, oh, fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to drag you in this bitch. Right. <laughs> like candy, ooh, when you set candy off, it's, it's not yeah. good. Um, and then we get Kenya, Kenya then basically opening up to Sheree about the DMs. And then he's like, and she's like, I want to see it. And you know what? Let's get Martel over here. And she puts out her longest possible finger and goes to Martel, like, come over here. <laughs> like, and the, the camera turned to him and he literally made a face like, fuck. Yeah. And then that's our, well, that's our big cliffhanger for the episode. We see a little bit of clips of like him and Kenya getting into it. Right. And Kenya kind of cursing him out. Um, so that should be exciting to see. Cause I love when Kenya drags somebody. Um, but that was the first episode of Atlanta for this week. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was a good opening premiere. Um, I think it's a good cast overall. Um, we'll be interesting to see. Like, we didn't get much of the Drew stuff. Drew right. obviously was absent this whole episode, but like, we'll see how that goes. Cause like, I, I was happy because they didn't try to pack too much into this first episode. A right. lot of times on episode one, they try to just do too much with it. Um, so I was really happy that they just kind of let things be what they were. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that we stay kind of in that vibe throughout the rest of the season. Um, but, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the newest episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in His MB. Let's get talking about some nice little family time up on New Jersey. That's a way to put it. 
But yeah, we real, did have some nice family time. There were some nice sweet moments uh, this episode, and then some scary ones. Um, yeah. Uh, there we was, had Bob the Tomato show up. Bob the Tomato. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, it was a lot. Um, yeah, but there, it felt like it wasn't, I guess you could say, a filler episode, sort of. It felt like it because there was no real big group scenes. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I kind of liked this episode a lot for yeah. certain reasons. Um, we start over at Margaret's house and Marlene, her assistant's helping her get lunch together because Jen Fessler is coming over with her mother and her aunt, who are both twins, uh, named Mazzy and Cassie. They are fabulous. Just as fabulous as Jen Fessler. And, like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Margaret later calls them, like, two whirling dervishes. And I'm like, that's so, like, such yeah. a perfect way to put them. They have these, like, curly red, like, sort of... And they dress exactly alike and have, like, all always dressed alike. And, like, they were born in Brooklyn and, and were apparently friends with, like, Barbara Streisand. Oh, and, yeah. Which I'm like... What is Jen Fessler's life? Why is she not a full housewife? I want more of these stories. Like I, like also, we were talking about earlier today that they need to make a um, uh, an ultimate mom's trip. Yes, for Real Housewives, and not just Real Housewives, um, but we would have like the old lady gang from Atlanta, and then we would have the twin and aunt, mm-hmm. you know, mom and aunt of Jen Fessler, and then we'd have uh, Marge Senior, and we'd have. Um, Katie's mom from Vanderpump Rules. This was a good episode across the board on our podcast for mothers. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll get to it. Like, across the board, there's a lot of mother content. Um, they're mothering, <laughs> as the kids would say. Mother. Um, and then we kind of get more of Jen's backstory, which, again, I, I feel like Jen filmed for Housewife, and they, like, either scrapped it. But, like, I love that we're getting her backstory, and I feel like she needs to be brought back for full time. But, like... Jen's parents got divorced when she was three and sort of like they were very different individuals. Like Mm -hmm. we see, we see her mother obviously here and sort of her high energy sort of like attitude, but also she talks about her dad was very serious and very like stern. How did he end up with her? I have no clue. Like, (laughs) um, and basically she's like her aunt also basically helped her raise her as equally as her mother did. So it's kind of like that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I, I like they, they were, it was one of those things too, where it was like, there were a lot, but it wasn't feeling like they were putting it on for the cameras. Like it felt like this is just who they are. And mm-hmm. it's just like naturally like, you know, I love that. I really love them. Um, they're talking about everything that's happening and I love the, the mother or the, her mom and aunt just like getting questions out. And, uh, one of them asks like, is there a nasty bitch in this group? (laughs) And Margaret goes, there's an immature asshole. Her name's Danielle. And, and Margaret, I disagreed with her on this though. She like kind of makes fun of Danielle for crying on the Ireland trip. Yeah, that wasn't when Teresa and Melissa were having their issues. And she's like, Danielle's probably used to being the center of attention in her family. It's like, not everything's about you. It's like, okay, this is getting a little too much. (laughs) Like I get it. You're mad at her about the rumor thing, but it's like, like, yeah, I get, I get really defensive when people start shitting on people for, being a millennial and being young. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I, I, and I know that Marge didn't say millennial. Like, I'm just, but, but like, it felt but like she, that. But it felt like that, you know, and, um, it was just, it's frustrating. Like, our generation gets shat on a lot. And 
like we're just dealing with the shitty hand that we've been held. Yeah. Or dealt. And um it's just frustrating. Anyway, yeah. continue. Margaret Margaret across not in this episode, but across the week had a couple interesting um moments for me in terms of my fandom of her. You saw what she said on the after show, right? Mm-mm. About Dolores. No. Well, so we get to Dolores and Paul and uh, Frank and Brittany and the family. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, I did see this. Oh, but Margaret does make a comment because the the topic of the merit of Polly proposing comes up. And Margaret very much just is like, I mean, I don't know if Polly can, you know, I don't think you can get married when you're still not divorced. You know, I mean, you can get a ring or whatever, but yeah, I don't think people who are married can't get divorced. And she kind of smirks. And I'm like, what are you doing, Margaret? Because I don't, I don't want, like, I mean, I want it because I think it would be really good, but, like, I'm Team Dolores in that fight, like, and I'm sure Dolores yeah. was not happy watching that. Yeah, I, as much as I absolutely love Marge, this was uncalled for. And it also really didn't help the narrative that Jennifer and, and Teresa have kind yeah. of, like, said about Marge. It's like, you're kind of proving their point when you take a shot like that with somebody who really hasn't done anything to you. Like, yeah, I just, I didn't understand where it was coming from. What motivated that? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but like I mentioned, we had dinner, the dinner to celebrate Frankie Jr.'s um, uh, j- new job and that. I love Dolores and Paul sit down and they sit facing the front of, like towards the front of the front door. And she's like, Italians never sit with their backs to the door. And like, I guess it's like an old mob thing. Like, well, I mean, it, I don't do that either, You're, like, yeah, but I, it's due to my anxiety. But I mean, yeah, it's there. There's a lot of people that refuse to sit with their backs to doors. Yeah. And so Dolores is like, oh, God, I'm, I'm hoping this dinner goes well. Frank loves to buzz balls and things can get out of hand, but no one buzz balls like an Irishman. Yeah. So but so Frank, they sit down and, and start and have dinner. And Frank uh, basically thinks that Paul, you know, He's worried that Paul doesn't want to be around him, but thinks that the dinner will hopefully show Paul their family dynamic and that they can get back to where they used to be in right. terms of that regard. Um, and it's a good conversation. Like Frank says, uh, you know, jokes about getting his ass read by Dolores for calling Paul Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and they right. they have that sort of banter with each other. I think Frank Paulie calls him Mr. Potato Head now or something. Something yeah. to that effect. Um, and, and Frank... It gets to the point where they loosen up a little bit, and Frank ends up being really impressed by Paul. He's like, I originally thought he was a little stuck up, but he thinks he kind of thinks we're very similar. Like, so. Well, and I I was really happy about this because this kind of wraps up that whole yeah Dolores Frank tension mm-hmm. that's been there this whole season, and it really like it really made me happy because it brought it to a close in a happy, healthy way where. Frank finally was able to understand that nobody was trying to push him out. Yeah. It was just a, you're not in this role anymore. You're still going to be in the family. But the role is different. The role is different. And, like, he he didn't understand that because he had never been anything other than a partner to Dolores. Yeah. Even when they weren't together, he was still her um better half. Her better half. Well, maybe not better. She she was better. Yeah, there you go. She was definitely the better half. But um you know what I mean? He he was her uh contemporary. You know, they were side by side. Yeah. And um 
it's really nice seeing this new family form with Brittany and Polly and the kids and like it, it's it feels it's really very nice. normal and yeah. like you know really conducive I think <laughs> speaking of Brittany Brit- Brittany then asked Paul if he learned English when he first came over to the country and everyone's like <laughs> I didn't think it was that big of a thing I know because there is Gaelic like, is still a thing I there like it but Paulie's like I've always spoken English and and Gabby their daughter's like I love having Brittany around because it's like a built-in play date <laughs> <laughs> that was fun so then they start talking about like thinking of like getting everyone together for like a big party and I hated how this like went from like Paulie's like okay we can do like an Irish party or whatever you know, and then we can make it like a prohibition party. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, and, no. And then they're like, yeah, like Roaring Twenties. And I was like, fuck. No, no, no. I am sick of Roaring Twenties. This is like Housewives. the 20th one. <laughs> it's like, how do you get to Roaring Twenties? Like, honestly, I would rather you do stereotypical shamrock shake, like leprechaun bullshit for an Irish party than Roaring Twenties. Something. Like, oh, my God. Um. And Dolores brings up that she's moved in now with Paul, and Frank's kind of surprised by that. And then Frank asks if, like, engagement is on the horizon, right? And then Paul says he's already gotten the ring for when he eventually does right. do it. Um, Dolores, in her confessional, I felt like her answer was really interesting in terms of, like, she says, like, my dad always said, like, don't put the cart before the horse. And, like, you know, she doesn't want to... She, I feel like she wants marriage. Like, she said right. all the time she wants marriage. I think she's... I think when it gets so close like that, it's like, you yeah. Know. I think it's more of a, I'm glad that he's thinking, you know, in that direction. Yeah. But I hope he knows we're not there yet. Yeah. 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 I think he'll do it in a year. I think, yeah. I, hopefully it'll be like the end of next season. It'll I really be a nice, like, like them capstone for that. I, I really like him. Yeah. He's great. Um, speaking of couples. Oh, geez. So then we go to Teresa and Louie's house, and they're talking over the wedding stuff and going over, like, seating arrangements and stuff like that. Um, and Teresa and her confessor was like, you know, I just planning the wedding hasn't really been that stressful. It's just the other things around my life that have been stressful. Right. Which I had said that, too. I, I had talked to you about, like, I'm kind of surprised how little Teresa's been a bridezilla. Yeah. Like, you would, th- especially, you know, whether it's valid or not, Especially with all the other people in the group, like, questioning, like, her bridal party and, like, who's invited here and, like, whatever. She's actually reacted to it pretty well and not what I expected her to react. Like, Yeah, she's very chill and laid back for, th- for this, which is honestly why it didn't surprise me that there were so many last-minute changes with the wedding party. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they call Louie's mom because they're wondering if they want to do, like, a separate dance with Louie and, and his mom and stuff like that. Um, and Teresa kind of talks about like the differences between right now her family and Louis's family, and that it's like you can't even compare the two. Like they're so close right. to where like we're just completely fractured on my end. Um, they go inside, and Teresa sort of talks about what happened with the bridal shower and all that stuff. Um, we find out that Melissa didn't RSVP to the rehearsal, and then Teresa basically texted Melissa, being like, "Hey, are you guys going to be at the rehearsal?" And they basically said, "We're not going to be around on that. We'll just be around for the wedding day," which. Some people online were like, well, why would they be there? Because the rehearsal dinner is supposed to be for the wedding party. I said that on Vanderpump Rules, too, when, like, Lala was told to go to that dinner. I'm like, she's not in the wedding party. Like, why? Is it a new thing that, like, everyone goes to the rehearsal? I think immediate family, like, people that are seated in the 
sections. Like, because when you when you do the processional, like usually there's ushers that seat family your members. your family members, seat the mother and brother and all of those people in the family section. Yeah. Cousins, not so much, but usually immediate family members of the people getting married get seated there. So those people would still be at the rehearsal. Right. Typically. That makes sense. I could see that. Um, and Louis is upset about it, obviously. Like, like, it just makes me sick, you know, like, and Teresa then says like, you know, it's just Melissa being in Joe's ear all these years, which she said multiple times before. So which I don't, I don't, I don't know. If that's I don't valid. agree with, I think it's the other way around. I, yeah, I think, I think Joe's more the instigator than Melissa is. I, I think really, both of these men are more the instigators. Yes. Which we'll see. <laughs> and Louis like there's at the end of the day like there's no effort no one's trying and it's just blame and like they're just blaming you and then we find out from Teresa that apparently Gia was with her or either was with her dad on vacation or like talked to her dad over the phone and like told Joe Judice what was happening in real time in sort of this whole situation and that he Joe Judice then apparently called Louis and according to Louie, he was essentially like, do not let Joe Gorga interfere in your life because he's going to try to do that. He's going to feel intimidated. He's insecure, which, I mean, Joe Judice and Joe Gorga have had their problems right. explicitly. We, we won't get too much into it because there's all these theories about like what it is and what the basis is. And there's stuff about like Joe. It, it's all based around Joe selling um, uh, her, his dad's house. And like that felt that, like. Like that's the thing in Arizona, right? I think, yeah. Well, do they talk about it in there? I can't, I need to watch back. I feel like I almost need to binge because it's like, I've forgotten so much stuff that's happened in sort of like. Well, no, I mean, like, I think that the house was in Arizona and that's also the same deal that um, lost Frank his license. license to practice law. Yeah. And like, all of this stuff is wrapped up together and but it's just you, like, and it's. And but the frustration watch- is, is that nobody who is actually in the thing will talk about it. Nobody will actually lay out, this is what happened. Yeah. All that we ever get is fan conjecture. We get people that are over here that apparently have tea on it. Yeah. But it's like nobody that's actually involved is actually sitting out, sitting down and laying out what happened from day one. And also, I, I said this to you, like, no offense to Teresa, but like, I don't know if she's smart enough even if all the facts are on her side, to lay out her case. Well, I don't even know that it's necessarily smart enough. I just think that she's not eloquent in the that's way that she speaks. That's more what I mean, yeah. And so, like, and that's why I know that you had mentioned this, is why that we both really want or wish that Gia had been at the reunion. Yeah. Because Gia could do that. Yeah, Gia can be a little, not objective, but like. But she can be. She can be specific and factual. That's my, and I, because I don't even think Joe Gorga really talks a lot in specifics. Because in the early seasons, it was all like, Joe Judai turned my father against me, but doesn't really, never really went into How? detail of what like, did why. he do? Like, what did he say that made your father turn against you? I, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of conjecture and it's like, it's kind of frustrating at this point in, in terms of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Teresa basically says like the only time me and Joe uh, used to fight was because, or, or that me and Joe Judice used to fight was because of Joe Gorga is what Teresa claims, you know? And J- Louis like, you know what? No matter the man in your life, Joe would have found something wrong with it. Um, you know, do you know what it's like for me to be calm the past three months around an animal like that? I'm not going to lower myself to fucking trash that does that. Come Lou- on. 
They're they're uh, like I really don't like the constant dehumanization of people. Like, yeah. The calling people rats, <laughs> calling people Jersey people love like, that. It's it's not great. No, it's not great. But I wonder, like, this is what I said before when they had the big fight at uh, Rachel's storehouse or whatever, which is just like, this is why Louis can't be the therapist. Yeah. Like, even if he has good intentions with it, you're an active person in this whole dynamic. You can't be objective and be a therapist naturally, even if you want to be. Yeah. You're going to have moments where you get angry at Joe Gorga. Yeah. And this is going to happen. So it's like. I kind of. As, <laughs> as frustrating as the interview with Howie Mandel was with um, Sandoval. Yeah. I kind of need someone who doesn't know anything about any Almost, of this yeah. to sit down. I need Ayana Van Zant to fucking <laughs> sit down and break it fucking down. I really do. Like, like I need somebody who's not watched, not nary a second of yeah. this show, seen any of the news. I need them to sit down with, uh, who's the, um, Tig Notaro who like, Oh really? Who? Well, I mean, someone like that who like is, notoriously unaware of who other celebrities are. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so who walks into this place and goes, I have no clue who you are. I hear your brother and sister and you're fighting. Let's go. Yeah. And it's like, this Let's seems weird. This, this seems like your fault. Yeah. Like that's what needs to happen. Um, we go over to Danielle's house as she's going through her inventory for her bougie kids line with her mother, Angel. And um, she basically is like her dream is like to get like a brick or mortar store because it's all been online right now. And she's, right. you know, and all that. Um, they talk about Danielle's relationship with her brother and her mom starts crying and, and it's a lot for her. Uh, Angel basically says that, you know, they would fight a lot as kids. But Danielle, like even when they would fight, when it would be her brother getting in fights with other people, Danielle would always have his back, essentially. And Danielle's like, now that we're older, he wouldn't have my back in these situations. Um, they don't, again, they don't really go into specifics. Yeah. It's she, just, it, this seems so it's like, I, I, I'm getting PTSD from like the beginning of the Joe and Melissa stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, stop it. I need you to stop. It. Tell me something specific. And Give me it, a detail. And part of me is like, are you not giving details because you want to protect him in certain realms? But also, according to Danielle on Watch What Happens Live, he the her, her being on the show and talking about it has made it worse. So then just talk about it. Like, I don't like. Yeah, if it's already worse, then air it. Like, Angel just says, like, well, he's in a lot of pain. Um you know, but at, if he talks to me about it, because I guess he's cut off conversations with her as well, essentially. Like, I think he only talks to their father. Yeah. So, yeah. And she, she's like, I'll apologize for anything that I've done, you know, essentially. I can humble myself in that regard. It is telling that both of the parents talk to her mm. and only one talks to him. That is interesting. I, I don't, but like both of Teresa and Joe's, parents were kind of on the Teresa side on this and I don't I don't know if that really is indicative of that I you know we don't know we need details this is why it's so frustrating no one will talk details yeah it's like you know angel angels basically he doesn't want to fix it essentially and he's in that sense and you know he now has a baby with the woman that he married and Danielle's like I can't believe that he's okay with you know 
not me not being around her his niece right or, or my niece like in that in that regard and that sucks um you know and daniel's like at the end of the day like i just may have to move forward without him yeah again we'd love more details maybe we can get at the reunion but like i, I yeah it's sad but um we go over so jennifer is moving her brother and her sister-in-law into their new apartment that she got for them and uh jennifer talked in the past like you know, her brother basically had to go back to Turkey and sort of like close his jewelry business in America because his new wife was uh, over there, but couldn't get her visa uh, to come back to America. And though she's right now, she finally has her visa and, and they can finally move in together and start their life in America. Um, and Jennifer's kind of helped them get this apartment with her connections. Um, and that she talks also about like her brother, like when he had his jewelry business, he could support the lifestyle in Turkey, but now in America, like everything's inflated and yeah. like, you know, you're kind of starting from scratch in certain regards and they're having the budget differently. Oh yeah. So Jennifer was looking to sort of help them with that. Um, they, they do the whole, like Jennifer loves a, like a, like when she does something for someone, she loves like a big moment. Like she's like, okay, we're going to blindfold them and we're going <laughs> to bring them in <laughs> and like everything's a production. Yeah. It's, it's very Jennifer. Um, and so, Jennifer gets really emotional too and says that like, you know, they, they hug and like her sister-in-law also gets emotional and she's just like, I'll always have you guys back. And I love, I love Jennifer's relationship with her family. And I love with particularly her siblings, with mm-hmm. her other brother who's gay, like that dynamic always has been really nice to me. And like, yeah, it, it's good to see this side of Jennifer. Um, and so she sits down with her brother uh, after they get everything settled and talks about what's going on with her and Bill and like him going into the pool house after work all the time and not engaging with the family. Um, and her brother kind of talks about like, well, it, it largely comes from his background and family background of like, you know, the husband is the one that provides the financial support and the wife that does everything else. Right. That regard. And it's hard to kind of break that, which I understand culture. It's like difficult to break, but yeah. And I think we talked about it. Like it's also Jennifer's struggle of like being sort of a quote unquote modern woman. And like, learning that oh wait i can have what i want in certain senses and i don't have to compromise well not not compromise but like i can i don't have to compromise my humanity necessarily right 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 and and can be a valued equal in this relationship so i think i I think it's a valid struggle and i think yeah and i mean and it's something that a lot of us deal with like like you have to like deconstruct all of that bs out of out of your system and and it is it's a lifelong journey to figure that out and the frustrating thing is it doesn't seem like bill has started that journey nope (laughs) and jennifer's like i'm three miles down the road where are you yeah like you're still at the starting line yeah it can be frustrating um we go over to rachel's house and we find out that the process has now started in terms of looking for um, Jaden's biological mother to serve mm-hmm. her for the whole adoption process. And Rachel basically thinks that this is a good time now to tell Jaden about everything, sort of get him aware of things. Um, I Can I just say I loved this scene? This was a really it good scene. It was like heartwarming. It was moving. Like the Rachel's, kid- the way Rachel put it was so quote unquote progressive of like, you know, making him an equal part in this sort of dynamic. Right. And I loved her being like, if you want us to call it off at any time because you're uncomfortable with the possibility of either seeing her or for whatever reason, tell us and we will immediately like, 
I think that's that shows you really care about him in yeah, that sense. And he he also seemed to understand how much he was loved and how much he was cared for. Yeah. And really valued her as his mom. And it just it was really, really, really nice to see that family dynamic, especially when we've seen such other not as great family dynamics yeah. on this show and across Bravo. But like it, this was a really, really beautiful change. I know some people were talking about like, like, cause Rachel on the after show was saying that like she, the mother never responded, got served and essentially never responded. And so therefore the process was able to move forward and stuff like that. And then I think like the U S son got an interview from the mother who I believe is in a halfway house at this point in terms of like, Mm -hmm. I think part of her jail sentence was like serving in a halfway house. If I'm my my reading understanding. And she was like, I was never served with anything essentially. And here's, I'm not saying like, you know, people have issues. I don't think she's the most reliable source necessarily. I, I but even the, the thing is, is that even if she wasn't directly served, like, even if that is true, they, the agency just, or not the agency, the lawyers just need to show that they did due diligence to find her. Yeah. And as long as they did that and they have the receipts of that, then they're good to move ahead and a judge can, can um, invalidate her parental rights without her input. Yeah. I just know a lot of people have been dis- discussing it. Like, oh, is this just like a storyline or whatever? And I, I don't know why, but I'm inclined to believe Rachel. Like, I, yeah. th- I, to me, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I don't, I don't see it as that personally. But I could, you know. I, I, everything that I've seen from Rachel this season, I really trust her. Yeah. Um, maybe she's just a really good actress, but like, I'm, I'm getting trustworthy. I'm getting reliable. I'm getting someone who is genuine and authentic. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with her on this. I think the problem is with the fan base is that because, and well, it's a problem with the fact that the sides are so clearly defined on Jersey. So it's in part their fault too. But like, because of that, everyone thinks they need to stick for a team. And clearly Rachel's on team Melissa Margaret. Right. And so therefore, like, you know, it, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, and, but Rachel in her confessional also says that, like, Jaden was basically, like, her saving grace through her miscarriage and, like, her wanting to actually have children and the, pro- the hard process of that of, like, and I, I thought that was a beautiful way to put it. And I love their relationship. And I think it's really cute. Um, we go to Dolores and Paul setting up for the party. And we basically go around as everyone is kind of getting their outfits together at the homes. Um, Melissa and Joe are at their home, and Joe FaceTimes Frank. Um, Frank says he's coming tonight, um, and they're excited about that. And he tells them about Polly making the comment about having the ring already for Dolores. And Melissa's like, oh, is there going to be an engagement tonight? Like, sort of, which I'm like, I'm glad they didn't do that. Seemingly. Yeah. We haven't seen the full party yet, but, like, I, I would hope that's not the case. Um, you know, well, and Dolores is also not walking around with a ring on her finger. Yeah, so that well, some people do stuff for, until the show airs. Like that, there's a. I mean, some people do, but I mean, I I wouldn't say that Dolores is someone who would do that. Yeah, we go to Margaret and Joe bidding no getting ready, and Margaret basically tells Joe that at the engagement party, and we see the footage that we didn't see in the episode that. Danielle brought up Laura again and the whole Laura stuff uh, at the table. 
uh, and Margaret would just be like, you know what? You're a little bit of a douche in her, <laughs> after the fact. Um, and Margaret's like, you know, Jennifer swears that she's not talking. This is so funny. <laughs> Margaret's like, Jennifer swears she's not talking to Laura. Cut to uh, Bill and Jennifer getting ready. And Jennifer is like, so I called Laura. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, I called her just to see who she's been talking to. Because apparently these text messages from Margaret got leaked to the press. Right. Um, of her basically messaging her friend group saying that Laura is a snake, essentially. Quote-unquote friend group. It, the cast. Was it the cast? I, th- I, I feel like, I don't think it was the cast. I think it was a separate, fr- like, Margaret's personal friend group that's not on the show. Oh, no. I got that it was the friend group and... Because I heard Laura was in the group chat. Well, yeah, because from what from what she was saying, she had introduced Laura to people in this like in this circle, like yeah. she was trying to help her get on the show, and then the, the relationship went sour, and then she was like, "No, we're excommunicating her." Yeah, because I th- see, I thought it was a group of her friends outside of the show. She, I don't think the text message was that bad, except. The last line can be read into a little bit and be like, I hope you didn't say anything to this beast. Yeah, that, but like... But that could be t- in a certain different tone and a certain... It, it can mean different beast. things. Beast. No, that, that's clear. Like that's, <laughs> be, that's, that's not a... Uh, there's no gray area there. Um, and Jennifer basically says that Margaret is nervous because she has no idea how much Laura has divulged to her. Like... You know, right. so she she figures Margaret's worried about that, uh, and then she also says that Laura originally didn't want to tell about the Melissa thing, but that Teresa pushed her essentially, and said that I need to know why Melissa didn't go harder for Margaret last year. Does she have something on her? And see, this is where I start. Like this sort of thing raises my hackles and maybe it's because we're also watching Vanderpump right now mm-hmm. and um we're dealing with Sandoval like actively like manipulating people around him and manipulating the story to try to get what he wants out there right and it seems like Jennifer is doing the same thing but which it seems so obvious though you know what I mean it's one of those things where it's like it seems so obvious that it must be a swerve but in, in terms of television. like Well, sure, but that was the same thing that Sandoval, of course I'm not going to cheat at the Abbey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm not saying you're not Like I, I think there's a good chance of that. It I, seems like she's trying to cut Teresa off from other people. But she's also throwing Teresa under the bus in certain Right. Ways. So that's the thing. She's dropping enough to where Teresa can't be mad because that's the truth. But she's doing it in a way that is going to alienate Teresa from everybody else. The pro- and Well, here's the thing. I think if this is fully crafted, right, by Jennifer, like uh, every aspect of it, she did a good job in a certain sense. Because, like, everything makes sense in terms when you think through the justification. Because the whole thing of, like, I remember when Melissa was on Watch What Happens Live and Andy asked about it. And Melissa's like, it's not true. And Andy's response is, okay, it can be not true, but why aren't you upset with, like, you saying, I'm not saying the rumor is true. I'm saying, 
do you think that Margaret spreading it as if it is true is true? And people, and the justification I've heard from circles is basically like, well, Melissa, Margaret, because Margaret has this arsenal and all this stuff, Melissa can't badmouth her without more coming out. My, my, the reason I question that is because you can't hold this over someone's head. Right. Like if Margaret is holding this over Melissa's head, it cannot also be true that Margaret is spreading it because that there's That's no power then. That's a good point. The, the secret has no power if it's not a secret. Yeah. So it's one or the other. It's, it's like an immunity idol in a survivor. You can't be telling everybody anything. <laughs> like you, what are like you, she can't both be holding this person's secret over their head and also spreading it. Yeah. So I'm going to need y'all to pick one <laughs> and go with that. And I'm not saying that one of those things is true, but only one of those things can be true because they cancel each other out. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to need you to pick your conspiracy theory, Jennifer, and go with it. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, we go to Danielle talking with Nate. And Danielle, did you notice Danielle had her evil eye ball cap? I was like, okay, uh, Gretchen from Orange <laughs> County season four or whatever the fuck. Remember that storyline? Jeez. Yeah, the evil eye has gone around this year. Like it was showing up in Miami. Yeah. It was showing up like... All, I'm all I'm here for the the girls getting witchy. I'm just saying, call me. <laughs> um, and she's she's basically thinking about bringing up to Melissa about what she knows. Right. And she's like, I'm worried that Melissa's going to shoot the messenger. And that's the which, yeah. Um. So then we go. Okay. So then we go to Teresa and Louis getting ready and and getting their stuff together. Teresa first is like, I love Louis' style. Like when he's getting his clothes together, she's like, I basically had to dress my ex. And pick I mean, out all his clothes, which we knew that. We like, did, like, dude was not suave. Yeah, Joe <laughs> Judice didn't know how to put himself together. Um, we, so then we get into this. Okay, so then Teresa tried to call Joe essentially, but didn't. Call, Joe didn't call her back, and she's like, even with all her stuff, like he's never not taken my call. Oh, this is that conversation. Hold yeah. on, let me get because. <laughs> This is a frustrating. It's insane. It's really fucking insane. Let me find my stuffed animal over here so I can cuddle it. Yeah. So Teresa and the Teresa's like, look, I just wish this wasn't happening, you know, right now. And Louis's like, you know what? It's happening right now on purpose because they're getting because we're getting married and it's bullshit. And then Louis in fucking cocaine bear two at this point. Jesus Christ. Like he was he was at the end of this and we'll see in the preview for next week. How is he get so red? Like he's like he mm, part I felt like in the first scene we ever saw of Louis, I was like, okay, he's attractive. He is not attractive anymore. Like his, no. the faces he makes and the way he gets so like amped. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's like I I was kind of uncomfortable with this scene, to yeah. be honest. Um, Teresa Teresa's like, I'm sorry. And and he's like, don't ever apologize to me because his actions are not your fault. And, you know, at the end of the day, the thing that makes me mad with Joe and Melissa is not even when Joe said, like, fuck you, Louie, when we were at the Fuda's house. It was when we were at the Fuda's house and he was saying that you look miserable. Guess who looks miserable right now yeah. while you're screaming and turning into to Bob the Tomato? Yeah, which I do agree. Like, here's I think there are elements of here's the thing. I think there are elements of what Louis saying is that are correct, 
in certain regards. Sure. But I think it's all framed in a way that's just like, right. you can't like, you know, I do think Joe being like, well, you seem you're, like you're miserable is a argument to try to derail her and not like to actually engage on, like not actually to have a conversation. Right. It's, 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 I can understand why that would be frustrating, you know, you know, you know, and, and Louis like, he said that because he doesn't like to see you happy. You know, they would rather see you broken down because then it's like you need him at that point. Yeah. To, to flash forward to Vanderpump, I wanted to scream at the, the, uh, the screen. Why are you worried about your girl is over there and yeah. look how she feels so like I the like look on Teresa's face was sk- it was awful. And like you could tell she felt as small as a tiny field mouse. Well, she says later, I've never seen Louie like this. And I feel like that was part of her reaction. Yeah. Was like, holy fuck. Like, I, 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 I think that reaction was, I didn't expect. I thought he would never do anything that reminded me of Joe. Yeah. Because I, this was giving me echoes of a Joe Judice brand. Yeah. And I feel like that triggered something in her, like some of the trauma she went through with him, and it put her back in that place because you could see her shrink. Mm-hmm. She literally was folding in on herself. Her face was changing I, I color. really hadn't seen her face like that even when she was with Joe. It was, like, it was rough. Like yeah. she, mm. she... So Louis continues, and he's like, your brother is devilishly calculated by everything he does and is thinking about how to hurt you. I wouldn't go that far. I, I think, I think some of the stuff he said about like, you know, he needs, he needs to feel like you need him could be a little valid, but yeah. So Teresa and Teresa's like, I just want peace, you know, but if Joe doesn't want that, you know, he can stand on his own at the end of the day. And then, and it seems like that's like, it, Teresa says that almost as if like to end the conversation. But Louis then like keeps going yeah. and he's like, it's been really peaceful because we haven't had your brother in our life the last two, three weeks. If people think they can keep pushing you around and you're just going to deal with it, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm ready to react. And Teresa's like, so are you planning on talking to Joe tonight? And Louis's like, I would like to talk to your brother as much as I like to talk to a rat in the street. It's like. I, I really have like almost a, pit of dread in my stomach about this party this is why and i'm not saying anything but like this is why andy wanted her to sign a prenup yeah and andy was like no but really sign it though like like and and that's not to say that louis a bad guy but like you never know and yeah like like this is scary yeah i'm i'm scared and i'm being activated and i'm watching it on a tv yeah Teresa is like, well, and th- this is where Teresa is like, I've never seen Louis talk like this before, but I don't blame him. And I, th- I think she believes it, but then she's also kind of justifying it in her head, I think, to a certain yeah. extent. And Louis's like, I find him boring. I wouldn't even share a cup of water with him. I've shown your brother nothing but sincerity, love. I handed over to him verbally saying, you're the patriarch of this family, not me. Maybe he feels threatened. Ooh, why does this sound like Sandoval going, I do all these things yeah. for everybody. Like, I hate how many parallels there are here. And I'm not saying that Louie is like him, but oh my God, the parallels that just like 
keep popping up in my head right now. Also, it's, you, also, it's kind of weird you saying you handed over the patriarch to him when, when you're you, marrying in. Bitch, it was never going to be you. But also when you're making comments about wearing her his father's pajamas. Oh, oh, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then Louis, you know, it's like if we have to go down that road, you aren't going to recognize me. That's not a that is yeah. that's scary town. That's scary town USA. And, yeah. and Teresa literally is like, calm down. Like she tells him to calm down. He's like, you know, it's scary what can happen tonight. Stop. I would like, stop talking. You need to. St- because at this point, if something does happen, what you just said is evidence of premeditation. I need yeah. you to sit down. <laughs> I need you to breathe. I need you to return to a color of skin that is normal to a human being. Because right now that is not normal. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I've watched you be a very beautiful and at times naive woman towards your brother, forgiving him and letting everything go while he's gaslighting you. And then Louis's like, I don't even want Joe to come to the wedding. I don't want that bad energy around, my be- around a beautiful environment with my mother and my two sisters. I don't even want someone wasting the flash in their camera on your brother and Melissa. So are we mad that they didn't come to the wedding or not? Yeah. Because I thought that was the big, like, I, a, big, uh, a big issue well, that Teresa, they didn't come to the wedding. Whether Louis, whatever Louis' opinion, Louis' opinion can be separate from Teresa. Teresa can be still upset about it. True. But at that point, should she be upset at Melissa and Joe? Because if I was Melissa and Joe and I found out that Louis didn't want me at the wedding, I wouldn't go either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then th- this line at the end, Louis goes, you know, if you saw me standing in a snake pit, would you pull me out? And Teresa's like, yeah, of course. And he goes, I'm pulling you out of the snake pit. It just. And then that's how we end the episode. And then we get the trailer for the party next week of Louis just, I, we put it on our Instagram going full fucking Charlie Sheen circa 2011. Like he looked maniacal. He, he was very, well, it was also, what's the, the, here's Johnny. It was like, oh yeah. This, I did not like it at what all. What is that? The Shining? Yeah. It, yeah. 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 It was, I was like, oh no, this is bad. It, it was bad. Yeah. It was like he was bad, having a bad trip. It, it looked like he was coked out of his mind. Yeah. And there's like four or five fights that happened at this party, apparently from what we get from the trailer. So like. Ugh. It's gonna be a lot. Uh, so let, let's t- go from Jersey and move on over to Fiji and talk about Survivor. Um, good episode this week, I would say. I oh, liked yeah. it definitely. <laughs> I, I definitely uh, liked what happened. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we'll get to it. It starts. It starts really. I was invested from the jump. So they returned to camp after Franny's gone home, and Carolyn is immediately pissed. And like, like rightfully so, but like it gave me like, Carolyn talks later about sort of like wrestling between playing with her emotions and playing strategically. I love seeing somebody play with their emotions every once in a while on this show in a certain respect. Yeah. Like, like there, it was, it was fun to see. And Carolyn's pissed at Yam Yam. And, you know, I've said like, I've been paranoid all day and you, and I, I would have done, I wouldn't have done that same thing to you essentially. And Yam talks about like I couldn't resist phoning Franny out when we had the opportunity to, but I knew I, I had to leave Carolyn out, but I knew leaving her out would have been bad because yeah. of what we're saying. Um, 
And Yam Yam's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, you did this to me when we were on Tika. And, you know, you know, and Carolyn's like, that was like weeks ago or whatever. And Car- and he's like, well, you should, you know, I got over it. You know, so you should be over it. And she's like, it just happened. Like, <laughs> <laughs> weeks ago is not, we just walked back from this happening. It's not the same. Yeah. Carolyn's basically like, this is mental torture. The kind of like, and she's yeah. like. You know, she's just, and at the end of the day, like they're buttering me up afterwards, but like they're just telling me what they want to hear, what the you know, what I want to hear in terms of this. And, you know, she just feels really dejected. Um, as this is happening, Danny's basically want, going around wondering who voted for him. Jeez. Who we find out we, we know is Heidi. Um, for again, whatever reason. I don't know why Heidi didn't organize more for the Danny vote, but whatever. Um and and, I, and maybe she did, but nobody took the bait. Yeah. That, yeah. I, and maybe they just didn't show it because it was inconsequential. And Heidi's basically trying to get the scent off of her, being like, well, it might have just been Franny or whatever. And Danny, Danny is like, Heidi wouldn't lie to me. Like, Heidi, Heidi's my number one in this group. <laughs> you know, she's the only one I trust. Right. So that's fun. Um, we go the next morning, and there's a meditation session being led by Jamie to sort of like get everyone zen. Um, they kind of start sharing about themselves some more, and we kind of see more of the bonding of the group um, in that regard. We get a little bit more of Heidi's backstory of, you know, moving uh, to this country from Puerto Rico and barely being able to speak English and sort of like her path to like going to school and being married and having a family. I was a little worried seeing all of this stuff. I was like, oh, no. Why? Because typically when we haven't seen a lot from somebody and then all of a sudden we start getting their backstory, it's like they're going home. I felt that with Carolyn at a certain point this episode. I was like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Like, (laughs) that's when you know you've watched too much reality TV when you start to see the tropes. Yeah. Even places where they're not happening. And so Carolyn and Yam Yam afterwards and start to kind of make up a little bit. And Carolyn's like, you know, I just needed a minute. Like, I know I can't isolate from the group. That's not, you know, smart by any means. Right. But I just needed to blow off some steam. Um, and this is where Cal- Carolyn kind of talks about, like I mentioned, balancing personal feelings with gameplay. Um, you know, but she's like, at the end of the day, I'm over it. And I just want to keep Tika strong. Right. Forward. Um, and also she's like, well, and I also still have my idol. So. Which I had forgotten about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to keep track sometimes. We, like, we did the math real quick. Three of the people on this seven-person tribe <laughs> have, idols. have idols. Yeah, it's and they it's were all the bonkers. fake, but they were all the fake idols too. And like it was, and just, then there was advantages, and it's just stop it, Jeff. Calm stop down. Stop this. <laughs> Calm down. Um, Carson basically feels like Tika is, in, is still controlling the votes, and you know he's playing an under the radar game, and that's where he wants to be. Um, you know, so Yam Yam knows that Heidi voted for Danny and basically it's like, I need to sort of like get the target off of us. Right. And so goes to Danny and tells him that Heidi voted for him. But Danny's like, you know, I'm piecing out of my head. It's, it's just illogical for Heidi to vote for me. You know, why would she vote for me when I'm her number one, essentially? <laughs> like, uh, maybe because you were a misogynistic piece of shit last episode. Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the fact you basically told her, I don't need your vote. <laughs> like, but like he loves also the term illogical he loves the, i'm not gonna i don't mean to be like everything sexist but like he loves to call women's opinions illogical or well i guess he called yam yam in this case but well like, i mean sure in the same realm but like 
I mean, homophobia, transphobia all comes from misogyny. So. I'm not going to go as far as to like break down Danny of what we know. I'm going to try to keep that to myself. Just, just check out who he follows on Twitter. That's yeah, all I'm saying. There's always one on Survivor. There's always one. Um, <laughs> and Heidi basically, Danny's like, tells him, tells Heidi what Yam Yam said, and Heidi lies to him about it. And he's like, I think it's Yam Yam. You know, I think he's, you know, I think he's trying to throw us off or whatever. So Heidi's like, you know, Heidi is just falling into Danny's stupidity in terms of like letting him like, just like, you know, it's not even hard at this point. There's this weird funny scene where like Carolyn finds like a lobster body, like on the beach and Lauren and her like fight over at one point. Carolyn's like, I'm not worthy. And Lauren's like, I am. And Carolyn's like, (laughs) Carolyn goes, no, I think I am. Yeah. (laughs) And then she finds this like long talon talon thing. Like Yam Yam gave it to her apparently. And she's just like pointing with it. And then, you know, she basically wants to be, she says, I want to be one with the lobsters. And then goes like diving essentially. And she's embracing her inner mermaid. She says, I love her so much. She's she's amazing. Um, Yeah. It was really fun. Um, Carolyn uh, asks Yam Yam at one point um, who his final three is. And Yam Yam goes, can I be there three times? <laughs> I ha- and he goes, I have multiple personalities. <laughs> <laughs> um, they talk some more. And Carolyn basically thinks that Danny and Lauren are the two biggest threats. Yam Yam thinks that Danny would vote with them, though. So they're like, maybe we should go for Lauren. Like, I can get right. Danny on my side, maybe. And then as this is happening, Danny and Lauren are talking about Tika being the threat, right? And so that, like, they're in the middle. And we we also get to later about that this is kind of a consequential vote for if, like, someone, ha- if Tika doesn't, someone in Tika doesn't go home, they can have a chance of dominating the game. Right. Because they have the numbers. Um, and Lauren's like, yeah, they need to be split up. Um, Danny thinks uh, it should be either Carson or Yam Yam that they go for. And he takes this to Heidi and to Jamie. And Heidi is like, you know, you know, I love Yam Yam. I would be sad to vote, but I, you know, I, of course I'll do it. Obviously it's the game. And she says, she says like, of course I'll do it. And Danny gets like weirdly offended. He loves to just also be like, why is anyone playing with emotion? It's a game. Why? You, oh, you have feelings? Bottle them. It's like, okay. She just said, I like Yam Yam as a person, but I'm still going to vote for him. He's like, I like Franny too. It's like, okay, dude calm down for two seconds he basically gives his whole and in the confessional he's saying this and he essentially gave the old like rea- the reality show trope of like i'm not here to make friends right like it's like this oh is my. not rupaul's best friends race really like genuinely this is not jeff probe's best friend island <laughs> yeah so uh, we then go to the immunity challenge and so for context with our, our listeners when i write notes for this show and when i get to the immunity challenge i basically usually it's like an obstacle course sort of a thing right. to where i just like label the parts of it or whatever and the vibe i literally just wrote in my notes immunity challenge brackets waterboarding <laughs> because this challenge is probably bar none the most dangerous and idiotic challenge that they have on survival you have to be under a grate in the water as tide is rolling up and not die essentially <laughs> like don't drown the person who stays down there longest wins immunity so it's like don't drown but also like push yourself to the edge of drowning it, for this idol jeff is always always like 
you're going to be at that point of like fear where you think you're drowning and you have to push past it. It's like That's called trauma. <laughs> also, it's called drowning. <laughs> like like I don't I just, like you are literally scarring people. Like you were they you were saying uh, we were so thankful when they did this last season because they had to basically crown two people because the tide had gone down to a point where it wasn't going to matter. Like, right. And I was hoping for that in this case, but we didn't get it. Um, we had talked, I kind of am a masochist in the sense of like, I love that they're pushing them a little bit. This feels like way too fucking much. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it needs to be gotten rid of. It is dangerous. I am surprised that they haven't had anybody that is like, absolutely not. Or, I mean, I would. I would absolutely say, no, I refuse to do this challenge. Um, Jeff, uh, quick uh, uh, question. Are you fucking crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Carson, of course, Carson being the the, uh, survivor fan. (laughs) I tested this in my bathtub. It's like, oh, my God. Um, So Lauren's the first out, but Lauren, like, Lauren's the first out, but she lasts an hour. So, like, everyone at least goes an hour. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, it gets down to Yam Yam and Heidi, um, and Yam Yam ends up pulling out at about an pulling it out at about an hour and twenty five minutes. Right. I love that. I did love like because you don't know you won. <laughs> like Danny yeah. has to go in and like basically be like, "Hey, you won," and Yam Yam's real emotional about it because I'm sure he. I mean, he isn't likely favored in people to win challenges. Right. And this is one of the toughest fucking challenges to do. Yeah. Well, and he talks about how. You know, his whole family is athletic, and he's really the one that's yeah. not. So being able to, you know, say, hey, I want an immunity challenge, an individual immunity challenge on Survivor, that that's huge to be able to go back and say, I'm one of you. Yeah. I'm not like the other one. And all I had to do was almost, uh, <laughs> almost drown to drown. death. Um, so then... Uh, we go back to camp. Carson, like I mentioned, Carson's like, this is the most critical vote because there's seven of us left. And so if we can get to six and have three Tika members, then we have the majority. Um, Danny then says, uh, Danny's basically telling everyone to vote out Carson. You know, he's like, he'll beat us all if he makes it to the end. Um, and Danny's like, okay, so tell Tika we'll just split our votes between Jamie and Lauren. Um, and then it's like, okay, this is also the last night to play shot in the dark. So we can't, like, you know, give any suspicion that anything is, like, right. you know, up. Um, I love Danny bringing the, the fake plan about uh, splitting uh, between Jamie and Lauren to Carolyn. And Carolyn goes, is that for the real plan or is this the fake one? <laughs> I love that that's how it's gotten in this game. Uh, and Heidi's like, oh, well, Carolyn could be a big cannonball when she comes back from camp after this. Because, like, if she was mad last time. Well, she's been left out of, I think three or four major votes. Yeah. And it's like, of course she's going to be pissed. Yeah. Um, Carolyn tells Yam Yam, I think they're voting Carson. Like she just is like, it, it feels stupid that they're like, it doesn't seem right. They're clearly voting Carson. Um, and Yam is like, okay, let's just stick to the plan. There's this great shot of like Danny, like sit seated on the beach when Carolyn's like in front of him seated, like bu- with her back facing to him. And they pan from Danny's face to Carolyn making this look on her face. Like, I don't like it. It was like, it was really cinematic in terms of just her like bug eyed, like, <laughs> like, like he's going to murder her or something. Um, Carolyn then talks to Danny and Dan- I, I think this was smart. Like she's like acting as if like, 
you know, maybe it would be a good idea to vote Carson or whatever. Like seeing what he would, if he would bite. And Danny's like, you know, it's just bad timing. And Carolyn's like, you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Car- Carolyn then brings this to Car- Carson. is like, I feel, I'm getting the vibes that you're getting, your name's getting thrown out. You know, and Carson tells Jamie and Lauren his suspicions and basically suggests like splitting between Danny and Heidi. And so now Jamie and Lauren are kind of in the middle position where they're like, we could go with Danny or we can go with Carson. There's both validity to get out both of them. Lauren is like, I kind of trust Carson a little bit more. But Jamie's like, okay, but we can't give Tika the numbers. Like, that right. could be an issue. Um, and uh, Yam Yam is, promises Carolyn over and over again, like, I'll vote for Danny. I'll vote for Danny. Like, you know, to sort of get her assuaged. And then Carolyn tells Carson about her idol. And, like, Carson just being, like, almost, like, crying, like, so happy about it. And and just so shocked that Carolyn was the one that found the idol, which, like... It's yeah. like, but again, need I remind you, our faithful listeners, that she wasn't exactly stealthy when she got the yeah. idol. <laughs> so, can we blame her? Yeah, like, can, can we blame... Literally, the other five members of their tribe walked in from the watering hole. She was the only one that was not with them, and she left the door open and the bag swinging. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. You didn't know she had... Come on. I, I don't get it. I, I genuinely don't get it. And she's like, I'll, I want to play it on Carson, but I'm also worried that if I play it on Carson, if Danny has an idol, he'll play it on himself. Right. So maybe we should put our votes on Heidi. And then I was like, oh shit, but Heidi has an idol. Right. God damn. And I was like, and, if yeah. I was like, if Carolyn goes home because of this, I'm going to be so fucking mad. Yeah. Like, uh, um, we go to tribal council. Jamie, uh, Jamie does her... It's almost like Jeff is paying Jamie at this point to say this shit. I'm like, that's the beauty of this game. It's different every single time. We get it. Show us, not tell us. Like, goddamn. Uh, um, you know, Carolyn is talking about being paranoid and that she's like always spiraling about the plan, et cetera. Like, you know, you never know when you get to the beach. And Danny just goes, I disagree. Danny loves to just disagree for no reason. Hmm. And Carolyn's face is just like, and I don't even know what Danny said, but I was just like, what are you talking? Like, stop. And then Lauren gets asked a question and talks about the, she, so this is where it got crazy. Lauren talks about something about like experience versus people who play with emotions. And Carolyn's like, what? Like, I don't get, understand this whole like experience comment. And Lauren, Lauren's like, I think that was the wrong comparison. I probably used the wrong word in terms of what I was describing. And, you know, Lauren being like, you know, and then Danny just goes, comparison is the thief of joy. And Carolyn goes, that's what she just did. So that's why I asked the question, Danny. <laughs> I was just clarifying. I love it. I love Carolyn and then so Je- much. Jeff's like, are you annoyed? And Carolyn goes, absolutely. <laughs> Deadpan. And then Jeff goes, you get some sleep, Carolyn. Who knows how you'll see things. And Carolyn stays with the eye contact on, like, doesn't like budge. death stare. And Jeff's like, are you annoyed at me now? And she's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So then we go to the vote. Everyone goes to vote. Carolyn is the last one in the booth. And it just like. We're not sure how much time went by. A lot of time, apparently. And she just starts like counting on her fingers. Like, do, like she's like. 
I don't know if she was like splitting up the tribe and being like, this person here, and then... She was counting votes. But clear, like, the second she started doing that, Eamon and I both went, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) What is happening? Everyone's just looking at each other like, she's still not back yet? Like, what the fuck? Like, uh, yeah, it's... I, it was crazy. So they go back. Uh, Jeff uh, is about to read the votes. Carolyn decides to play her idol on Carson. Um, Danny and Heidi, neither of them play any of their stuff. Um, I don't know why. Like, I yeah, feel like I'm I, not sure why. I, I would have thought that they would have. Maybe Danny point. was confident enough to where he didn't bring it. That's my only guess. I mean, either that or he just didn't think he was going to get targeted. Yeah. He was like, well, if Carson's... At, well, because didn't they split... They split votes. He figured, like, oh, they'll split with Jamie and Lauren. And right. Then... So he was like, he literally could not conceive of a situation where he was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a, what a, um, what a personification of everything that I would think of Danny. <laughs> um, so Danny gets voted out. He would get three votes on Danny, two for Heidi, two for Carson. Um, so, and Carolyn, Carolyn apparently wrote Lauren's name and then crossed it out and then wrote right. uh, Danny's. And Danny, all the Danny votes were the Tika three. Um, uh, Jamie and Lauren voted for Heidi, I think, to split right. in terms of that. And then uh, the two for Carson were, of course, uh, or excuse me, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. No, I said that right. Heidi's two votes were from Jamie and Lauren. And then Carson's two votes were from Danny and Heidi. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant. And, like, it, it does suck that, like, the technically the idol play didn't matter i don't i because carson still wouldn't have gone home right but i think there's a way to spin it at at the final tribal right i think she can just play up the idea that no one knew i had an idol for that for until final seven yeah and like you know like it helped. I fostered this relationship with Carson. And so I think that's really how she'll try to play into it. And even then it was, I played the idol as a guarantee. Yeah. And we had made sure that Danny was so convinced in his safety that he didn't even play the idol. He had. Yeah. There you go. I, 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 that's I, how you spin. There's that. a way to spin it. There's all I. That's why I feel about Survivor in general. There's always a way to. Also, isn't there a last day to play idols, or is that next week? No, that's like five, final five, right? Okay. Or final six? I don't know. Um, one of the well, two. six is next week. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. And and Heidi's the only one with an idol right now. So. Right. We'll see how that turns. Well, Danny's will pop back up. It. Yeah. There you go. Um, I don't know if anyone knows Danny has it. That's the key. But, you know, still. Um, and then Danny, as he's getting his torch stuff out, like, does, like, De Niro face with Jeff and does, like, this, like, monologue. I was so turned off by this. I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> we're, we're good. good, good. And it went too long. And Jeff just kind of just... Didn't kept, give him anything. <laughs> just gave him this deadpan, but with a smile, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just let him keep going. It's like, okay, go to Ponderosa. <laughs> like, so, yeah. So, Danny goes home. Um, we're down to six, as you may. And 
good lineup of the six. I would say that I didn't. I was ho- I would was hopeful for, but didn't expect necessarily. And with the, this six, I'm fine with whoever wins. I would obviously prefer that it would be Carolyn, maybe Heidi or Yam Yam. But yeah, like I think I'm going to be satisfied pretty much any way. Yeah, I don't think Jamie will win. I I don't think so. I similarly don't think that Lauren really has a path. Yeah. But I think the other four have a path. And, and I like that we it's four women and of the two men they're both do we establish if Carson's gay? Is Carson gay? I don't know. He's at least a nerdy. I think he's in he's that gay. realm. It's two. It's I two, think he it's is. It's two men that I wouldn't have expected being the only two men. Right. Left. It's not he man woman hater. Yeah. Which we got we, rid of that one. We this always week. get at least one. So, um, no, this is a good, good final six. I, yeah. I, after some of the bullshit from like a couple weeks ago got passed, I think I like how this is shaping up towards the end and the, and the tail end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really excited. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we are talking Vanderpump rules, the finale before the finale. We have a lot to say. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, Fuck Your Laws, Fuck Your System, Transformative Justice Now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on over to Hollywood. Talk about Vanderpump Rules. This was diabolical in the uh, in the best way, but it was diabolical this episode. Uh, so good. What was supposed to be the finale before they the finale the before the finale before the holy shit reunion? With yeah, the trailer the trailer for the reunion came out hours before we started recording, and like. 
it is I I'm still buzzing. I'm buzzing over Ariana. I'm buzzing over J- James is like James is the number one guy in this group. Like straight up. Like, honestly, he's the only guy that matters in this group. Honestly, like yes. Shockingly, I'm team James. I can't I can't believe it, but it's it's happened. <laughs> Rewind like 3 years and that that but does not make sense. I know. Uh so okay, let's start the episode. So we see a couple like small scenes. We do see Lisa bringing um, Velvet, her new horse, uh, to meet with Diamonds uh, since since Ro- Rose tragically passed. That was sad, and that was like a real quick scene. But like it was, it was you know, it was nice. We then go to Katie and Ariana as they're at the um, something about her space, and they're getting ready to organize sort of like a. Uh, like a a trial party or like a we're starting off party like launching yeah yeah well yeah yeah a little introduction sort of thing and penny who's their chef consultant comes by who's done stuff for sir and for and stuff like that um to sort of help and they're gonna make some of the sandwiches that they are have already to sort of have have people try and then um have a little party and then go to sir um afterwards um and i love katie basically like you know we're work we're working hard, and the advantage that we have over the over the Toms in terms of this is that we're willing to ask the professionals for help. Also, you're not assholes, but you know. Well, that's but that's the thing. It's like <laughs> you have that advantage, Katie, because you and Ariana don't have egos. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be we made this and I did everything and blah blah blah. Well, even if they did, they also got the advantage of watching those two flounder twice. And there's that too. Like it's like. Yeah. It's like, yeah, someone else can make the sandwiches. I like it's not like we don't we don't need that like validation. We just want a business. Like yeah. I don't know. Um so Katie and Ariana are cleaning up the kitchen um uh for everything. And Katie then asks uh Ariana about that conversation with Lala at Christina's event. And Ariana's like, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It, it wasn't as big of a deal that Lala made it out to be. But, you know, I know Lala gets, like, triggered by that kind of stuff because of the stuff that she's dealt with and stuff like that. And Katie's like, yeah, I mean, like, it gave me flashbacks to Schwartz, like, doing similar things with, you know, uh, not being there for me when I would have needed him in certain scenarios. But, like, that should be a really strong indication. It's not going like, to work. Like, Ariana, if Sandoval is triggering memories in these Two scarred women. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're also a scarred woman. Well, I think she, I, we'll talk about it. I think she doesn't want to admit it to herself. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I, even less than that, I think that she has been gaslit into gaslighting herself. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, Sandoval's like capitalized that over a certain realm with mm-hmm. like the Howie Mandel interview being like, she only wanted to show a certain part of our lives. It's like, no, she's not, she's not fine showing the, like, we'll talk about it. She's fine, like, sort of t- talking about your normal relationship issues. But like, when you're doing shit like cheating on her, when you're doing shit like w- not going to the funeral and stuff like that, going all the way back to Miami girl, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel once Miami Girl happened, it it became a thing of, like, okay, I can't let him, anyone pierce this. And so, yes, she's very conscious of that. And she does, Lala talked on her podcast that part of, um, when they were filming, like, Ariana got angry with one of the producers that Lala was bringing this up. And, like, before, and before what happened happened. 
And, and it's I like, get it. Like your relationship started with two years of Kristen like hounding you yeah. at every turn. So I get why you're uber protective of this. But I also think part of it is, and not to blame, not to, and it's not to blame. I don't think Ariana deserves blame in this. It, it's Absolutely a, it not. It doesn't like people who are saying as like, oh, well, she should have known. Okay, that doesn't qualify that she should cheat on her. Like, it, it's stupid. But like, you know. I also think part of it is Sandoval feeding that to her of being like, they're out to get me. Yeah. They're out. Like, I think that's, that factors into her mind and she's already been in an abusive relationship in the past. She's been open and honest about that. Yeah. So like, I, it, it, yeah. Um, you know, and Ariana is like, I'm not the type of person to be mad at Lala for asking questions or, you know, being concerned in the moment. And it, at the end of the day, it doesn't bother me that Tom didn't leave. It bothers me that it will cause people to whisper and sort of undermine our relationship. And it's, yes, that's what we're talking about. Like, it's like, there's a self-consciousness about, especially when you've been in it for nine years. Yeah. Like, when you get, when you reach that point where it's like, I don't want to admit to myself that it, that it should end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, it feels like a decade wasted. Yeah. So I get that. Like, um, you know, so, and, but they're, they're ready to get the shop sort of op uh, open for this party. We then go to Charlie and Raquel. Who goes shopping? Raquel. Every Ugh. time I hear her name, that's what pops into my that's head. That's how I feel about her at this point, at the end of this episode. Ugh. She's vile. I love them just being like, oh, I love retail therapy. Like, oh, my God. Um, so, okay. So they start shopping. Charlie then asks about what happened at Christina's event, right? And Raquel's like, no, nah, it wasn't that great. You know, and then Raquel then tells Charlie about Katie and Katie's mom, Terry, being kind of cold to her. Like, they came... You know, I said hi to them, and they were like, hi. R Raquel, her attitude this whole episode generally, like, I think we had discussed, like, maybe it's because she isn't well-developed in her personality and that to where she's pulling stuff from people that mm -hmm. she's around. She act, There's moments this season where I feel like she acts a lot like Sheena. Yep. She acts a lot like Sandoval. Later, she has a moment where she really seems like Schwartz. Yeah. Like, this isn't her. What? Sorry. It is her. But this put on, like, I'm so better than this. Was, like, coming through so much this episode, and it was pissing me off. Yeah. And then Raquel's like, well, I can see where Katie gets it from. And I'm like, you're already starting off wrong. And it gets worse. It gets way, way worse. And then they talk about... Well, and I, and I had a conversation with James, you know, you know, um, to sort of talk about things uh, and what happened. And like, James was like, didn't she say something about like, James was like, I know I said I didn't love you, but I didn't mean it. And I was like, when did he say that in the conversation? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Uh, James was pretty clear of you, like what he felt about you at the end of the day. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, when James says Allie's the love of his life, you know, you know. I'm pretty sure your girlfriend doesn't feel the same way about you. And I'm like, okay, here it is. Here is why it's like, and she later even says like, you know, um, you know, he'll, he'll fuck it up with her eventually. That's why I called her my replacement. It's like, you're telling on yourself here. None of this like stuff earlier in the season where you're like, I really care about Allie. She seems like a sweet girl. I you know, want what's best for her. bullshit. Absolute bullshit. You, this is fuck you. You were such an asshole for this. And you're playing. I mentioned it last week. You're playing victim off of this James breakup to the point of nausea at this point, because it's like 
you're not that big of a victim no. in this whole thing. You had a shitty boyfriend. Yeah. Yes. And you got went, a shitty one now. Yeah. But well, yeah. Um, you know, and Charlie's like, you know, I, I kind of agree. Like James sees, sees Allie as his future wife. And I think Allie sees James as her current boyfriend. And then, and this, you know, that might be true. I don't know that it is. I feel like, I mean, James is one to say like, I'm going to marry her and put babies in her immediately. But like, right. But I also think that Allie realizes that she's in for some hard work with James. And I don't think she would have signed up for that if she wasn't serious about it. Yeah. We'll get to it a little bit later. And I talked about it last week of like, I kind of, I'm liking James and Allie as a couple a little bit more now yeah. than I originally did. Uh, and then Raquel and her confessional with her fucking <sighs> feel bad for like, this is my narrative uh, rehearsed line that I've written out. I decided to choose myself over my relationship and stop compromising in ways that was taking away from who I am as a person. So, okay. So this is who you are as a person. Good. I'm glad we've settled on that. Glad, God, glad you made that perfectly clear. So they, so Raquel didn't get invited to the sandwich shop, but she's like, Oh, I'll just go to sir afterwards. You know, Ariana said that I can go later and that'd be fine. And then we, they, they, Oh, my fucking God, they start checking out and Raquel is looking in the glass uh, counter or whatever. It's like, Ooh, can you show me that lightning bolt necklace? Dun, dun, dun. The fucking gall of this bitch. I'm sorry. Like the, the, we've talked about the matching lightning bolt necklaces that they were wearing now that we know that it was like an undercover way of whatever. But the fact that one, she bought it. Two, she spent seven hundred and eighty-six dollars on this thing. That neck, let's be real. That necklace looked like something you could get in like a quarter machine. With exactly, like, it was like what the seven hundred and eighty? Like that's ridiculous. You get that at CC's Pizza. But th- think about the temerity, the gall, the audacity to not only purchase that necklace, but to do it on camera. Right. She knew she was being filmed. Well. I, I think this is back to the, if we do everything in public, in plain view, no one can say it was a thing. I, because if it was really a thing, why wouldn't we hide it better? It's, 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 it's so infuriating. I can't even like put it into words. She is, I'm so glad Ariana rips her to fucking treads at the reunion from what we've seen from the trailer. Cause like, fuck her. Oh, so good. Um, it's so good. We then go over to Schwartz and Sandy's and they've gotten their new booth that they've, they've ordered. And Schwartz is like, you know, this, it's so great to have this. You know, this is like the last missing piece of the puzzle for Schwartz and Sandy's. Really? Not the kitchen staff that you still haven't staffed? That's not the last piece of the puzzle? Also, this, you could have made this booth in like, two days in somebody's garage it's like i don't get what what was special about the booth what it's it's some wood and and some batting and some like padding and stuff and then fabric over top yeah so they talk and sandoval says like he's mentioned again like he's so i'm jealous of katie and ariana's spot it's so manageable which again i think is like a it's it feels like a dig yeah um schwartz says that people you know ask why you know, why don't we, people will come and you know, like, why don't you just open? But you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And Sandoval's like, oh yeah, you got to like staff the place. 
I'm sure those people that those hypothetical people that are coming to Swartz and saying, why don't you guys just open? I'm sure they're coming to you like that, assuming that you've already staffed the place. Because why wouldn't you? Also, I love how they're sitting here and making all of these points that Greg has been screaming for months. <laughs> it's like... But because they said it, it's like profound. Also, I'm pretty sure that what they're doing right now is preparing for something about her to blow them out of the water. Like, they undercut it at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. You plan ahead. You undercut them at the beginning. Oh, it's so manageable. It's such a nice location. Like, all of this stuff to make it seem like, oh, well, they had an advantage. Yeah. So if they blow us out of the water, that's no knock on us. Yeah. They had a leg up. Like, you haven't had a leg up of your uh, parents' coin purse? Yeah, that's a big leg. Um, and Swartz is like, you know, I really just want to hug my family after this. And Sandoval's like, I want to go somewhere really cool with Ariana. Oh, so you go on trips. Like, you claim you didn't on the How We Made podcast. Okay, just keeping score. Um, and then I also love Sandoval's like, <laughs> yeah, we still have issues. Like, I feel sometimes my very presence just, like, annoys her. And then they cut in the flashback. I feel like the editors did this on purpose. They cut in the flashback to the moments in which her, his very presence annoys her. And it's moments in which he's being an asshole. Yeah. And she's just like, stop being an asshole. Also, I love how he literally uses this phrase. And then later in the episode, in the conversation with Ariana, he uses that same phrase again. And she calls him on it. Yeah. She's like, very presence. That's not a phrase I use. Yeah. And then Schwartz is continuing. Schwartz is being the little soldier that he is and helping continue this narrative. And he's in his confessional being like, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. But based on what I've seen, they just seem like they've evolved into roommates, which is literally Sandoval's language from the How I Made Dell podcast. You know, seeing a lack of intimacy when they hang out, they don't really acknowledge each other. And, you know, and it's like, okay, but like, we didn't even talk about it. The fact that like also last week when Ariana is on the trip, glamping trip, crying about missing her grandmother, the fact that Sandoval doesn't even get up from the fucking table to go around and hug her. Something that is echoed in the fight later in this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and Sandoval, and this, oh, when he's talked, he's like, you know, it's just, I can't with Ariana. It's like, when's the last time you went to the store and brought home paper towels and toilet paper? You know, there's pens in the drawer, batteries in the drawer, because I do that. What? Like, do you ever just, like, not have a pen and think, you know what? Fuck my partner. I need a divorce. Yeah. Like she didn't bring home toilet paper. Time to fuck her best friend. I, I just, what? Uh, it's so fucking infuriating. Sandoval goes, you don't go out of your way to do things for me. And it hurts. And Schwartz is like, you want to address those things because they magnify over time. and People can get too comfortable being dicks to each other. Yeah. I also, um, I, I hate when Schwartz acts like a fucking therapist this season. Yeah. It's like you, the fact that you can act like in other situations, like you're this profound fucking therapist when you act so fucking dumb around Katie. Yeah. It's like. What, what I really love here is that this whole, like you see here, like here in this conversation and also later at the something about her party where. You know where um, 
Sandoval like makes a big show of having that big romantic kiss with yeah. Ariana right at the beginning of the party. Mm-hmm. It he's trying to set the stage of we have all these problems in the background, but in front of everybody, we're the perfect couple. Yeah. He's literally manipulating the net, the narrative. And it's so obvious. And I, I'm really glad that we had the, the knowledge of all of this shit happening going into the season, because I feel like we would have missed it. Yeah, probably. We probably would have bought it to a certain extent. Sandoval's like, I can count on less than, because uh, uh, Ariana never thinks he's correct on things. He's like, I can count on less than a hand in our nine years together where Ariana has ever said, wow, you're right. Yeah, maybe because you're wrong all the time. <laughs> the, think about that for a second. Marinate on that. Um, and, and Swartz is also like, I mean, you guys, you know, whether it's therapy or whatever, just, you know, you got to handle it. You don't want to procrastinate and not handle it. That term procrastination. Ugh. So then, okay. So then we go to Tom and Ariana's house. And Ariana is talking about the event and showing him the logos for something about her and all that. And I, I, I've, I, I can't tell if I'm reading into everything because everything feels like a plot. But I, I am. Sorry. That's a, I don't believe that there is one moment on camera. That's this genuine. Se- this season especially that is genuine with Sandoval. Because he goes, is there anything I can help you out with? And she's like, no, just come to the party. See, I feel like him saying, it was like, because you know I help out with everything. Because you know, I'm, I'm always there lifting you up. They bring up the Lala conversation. Um, Ariana basically says, you know, I told Lala, you know, Tom needs to defend himself. I'm not his spokesperson. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you probably shouldn't have just gone because it looks like a place that you probably couldn't have gotten a lift. Which, that, make, that makes it even crazier. Like, I think what she was, like, did they know that she was sick and were worried that she was going to die? And then he went to this party? I think that she was more meaning you should have known when we talked that you weren't going to be able to get a lift. That's fair. Maybe. That's, that's possible. I, I, yeah. So, you know, and Sandoval's like, yeah, I mean, I think part of it was, this is, this is now. He it's sat, all immaterial because it was a lie anyway. Yeah, he sat on it for a little bit after he got caught at, at Tom Tom, And so now he's come up with the lie, right? Right. And his lie is, you know. If I, I, part of what it was in my head was if I had came home, I would have wanted to fix it. And I knew I couldn't fix it. So this is now story number four. Yeah. So now Sandoval's like, well, Sandoval then gets to do his monologue. By the way, we should also preface this whole scene is what, at least from my understanding, what Tom said on the Howie Mandel podcast was he went to his producer at this point and was like, we're not open and honest about our relationship. And, you know, I want to be open and honest. And it's not fair that we don't talk about our issues. So we need to talk about our issues. And so this scene happens. So, one, that's bullshit. Because watch the early episodes of this season, let alone past seasons. But watch the early episodes of the season. Ariana talks about what her issues are with Tom at this point in the fact that he's either at the bar or he's doing his band and they have no intimate time together and she is missing that and it's making her feel distant. She's literally said multiple times, multiple times that having quality time is her love language Yeah, and that is extremely important to her and it ties back into whether she's willing to be physically intimate 
But that's and, not the conversation that Sandoval wants to have. Right. He wants to have the conversation of what she is doing wrong in this relationship in his right. mind. And like, and to, to foment this narrative. I know what you're about to say. I was just in his mind. In my mind. Miss you, Wendy. Um, so Sarah and I was like, you know, you're just like, my very presence annoys you. And Ariana literally is like, I've never said the words, your very presence. Like, those aren't my words. And Sandoval's like, you snap at me and belittle me in front of people. And Ariana goes, but you're the only one I constantly want to hang out with more. And I never get to. And I've said that for months. She said, I, and, and say, it's actually been years. I've said that for months. Well, yes. But like, I've all, I love that she's like, I've told this to you already. This isn't new. Like, and so Ariana basically, and Ariana's like, you know, when you're going around and you're peacocking, which I love that she said that, that's for everyone else. And yeah. I get the leftovers. And then Sandoval's like, I mean, we just got connected. We didn't even take a picture together at Sheena's wedding. Like, that's not okay. That speaks so much to... Notice how many times in the Howie Mandel podcast, Sandoval talked about his brand and right. about presenting his brand and how it helped his brand and yep. how they had a brand. Also, um, I don't know about you babe but my phone has a camera on it does your phone have a camera yeah so there's two people in a relationship (laughs) who can initiate picture taking yeah it's not it's not just me right you have a camera you can also say hey babe let's take a picture yeah okay just just clearing that up just and i'm pretty sure that he has a better phone than either of us do because they have a lot more money than we do so I'm just assuming he has the ability to take a picture. I mean, he certainly has the ability to FaceTime someone. Ooh. Ooh. So, and then, so I'm still reeling from that. Ariana (laughs) then goes, you know, you don't have to feel bad about that. I don't think taking pictures together is a marker of if we're connected. And Sandoval's like, yes, it is, dude. Like, again, you're disagreeing with me. What's up with him calling people dude who clearly do not want to be called dude yeah he's like there it is you're disagreeing with me and ariana says like i'm actually not i'm agreeing with you that we're not connected and ariana's like we don't just in talking about intimate time he's like we don't sit we don't watch tv we don't listen to music anymore and sandoval's like let's do it and he goes (coughs) and fake like fully fake cries he is a terrible terrible actor he it's is, awful. He is so bad at it. Well, I mean, we knew that. He did that movie, remember? But, yeah. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> Does anyone remember? <laughs> but no, like, he, notice what happened. Like, she, like, brings the facts, lays out the facts of things, to, and he doesn't have any more of the narrative, so then he just cries. And then, he, yeah, so because the facts don't support his argument, he becomes emotionally manipulative. Yeah. So then he brings up the sex, and he's like, you know, we just us ha- having four to- sex four times a year, it, that's not good for me. And Ariana's like, you know, I need, yes, but I need someone to spend time with me because I can't have sex with someone who feels like a stranger. Yeah. Which she has said for years on this show. Years. Literally, I believe it was season three yeah. when she first said this. It's, yeah. And Ariana in her confession was like, you can't telepath your dick into a vagina from the Abbey. Like, Oh, and the fact that she said the Abbey was just, yeah. oh. And, you know, yeah, it's like, then she's like, you know, what's your, Sandoval's like, what's your idea of quality time? And she's like, you know, going out to dinner, going for a walk even, you know, not, not, it doesn't have to be us getting drunk together. And he goes, 
okay, but that's your definition of quality time. And Ariana's like, but that actually is the definition of quality time. He goes, no, it's not. It's your definition. And then we get Sandoval in his confessional and the producer's like, so what's your definition of quality time? And he's like, how about we take some mushrooms and look at the sunset? How about we go skinny dipping? How about we go hang gliding? So I just want to point out. I need stimulus. Not only does the I need stimulus, that's bullshit because literally two of those are like (laughs) not stimulating. Not like, I mean, so the first one is I need to be intoxicated. Yeah. Dude, you have a problem. Number two is back to the centering around sex because guarantee you skinny dipping means we're going to have sex. Yeah. And number three, you need something that is high octane to matter. So that's literally another, almost a drug. But the thing that, so it's either intoxication or sex. But the thing that all three of those have in common though, is that they're for other people. He wants to do mushrooms and, and skinny dip and, and that to look cool for the outer world. The things that she suggests, watching a movie together, going on a walk, is stuff you do between you and your partner. And it's not about the fucking society that you're in and ever, every people seeing that you're fucking cool. Also, didn't they skinny dip in Mexico? All, there's also photos of them hang gliding. Someone posted that on Twitter. Shut the fuck up, Tom. Like... <laughs> And then, you know, he's like, oh, why do you go out to karaoke or whatever with Logan? And she's like, because we like different things. And she's like, you don't think, he's like, you don't think I like Beyonce? And Ariana's like, you don't, you won't sit and watch episodes of Love Island with me, which that was a great line. And he's like, yeah, because I won't sit and watch 50 episodes of Love Island, which I feel, I feel was shitty because it was almost as if he was saying you don't do anything. As if she herself is not also opening a restaurant, as if she herself doesn't have other business ventures and isn't actually working. Also, how dare you shit on reality television when you are literally on reality television? Yeah. But that's like you're no, you are no better than the people on Love Island. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then Sandoval's like, look, I love you. I just want, I just want us to do better. No, you don't. You want an excuse to break up with her. This is also the thing that's pissing everyone off, too, is that you are, st- uh, you are stringing Ariana along in this whole scenario instead of being a man and breaking up with her so you can be with Raquel. Right. Well, and it, it's, it is so, like, I feel like a lot of people overuse the word trigger, but it is triggering to watch how he treats her and yeah. watch how Raquel treats her. Like, it, it's the the level of like manipulation and gaslighting mm-hmm. and like like crafting this n- like nefarious narrative is so like it's it is activating yeah. and i there is it is so obvious when you see how passionate people are about this online like people are angry but and Howie the, Mandel doesn't get it. But Howie Mandel doesn't get it. But it, it's it's every like everybody who has been in a relationship with an asshole like this is remembering that relationship yeah. when they watch this. Yeah. And it like 
I've I've had a relationship like that, and it drove me to the edge of my life, and I will leave it at that. Yeah. But it was literally one of the darkest times in my life. I I don't like reliving that every week. But being able to see her come out at the end of this. Knowing there's a satisfying knowing ending. Knowing that there's a satisfying ending. Knowing that she gets hers at the end of this is what keeps me engaged. Yeah. I'm invested in these people's lives. But it doesn't mean that every week it's not very oh, difficult to watch. It's, it's, I, I, I had moments this episode I, I almost like... I, Whenever I get vertical off the couch, I. <laughs> so we go to we go to James and Allie's house, and James is working on DJing because they're getting ready to go to Imagine Fest. Um, uh, James uh, is talking to Allie, and basically they're going to stop by the something about her party, and wants to introduce Allie to LVP, and he kind of feels like it's like introducing Allie to my to my mom essentially. Yeah, like the same kind of vibe, which I get because LVP has been almost like a second mother. Yeah, to him. Um, they talk, they're also, when they're getting back, James is saying that he's going to set up a session with a therapist because Allie had suggested it. Um, good for him. Yeah. I well, hope he goes through with it. He's definitely conflicted still, but yes, but I, I think that she's going to keep her foot on the back of his neck and it's going to happen. Yeah. Allie basically says like, you know, what happened at Hermosa, you know, your emotions can come out and it can go after people you love. And James is confessional, like, you know, I just always looked at, like, people who went to therapy and movies, and, if, like, it was people who were in shambles. And I don't ever feel, I've never felt like my life's in shambles, so why do I need to go to therapy? And it's, like, one, that's not, why ther- that's not the prerequisite for therapy. Right. You can be a perfectly fine person and go to therapy. Right. And, two, your life is not, you're, he literally, because Allie's like, it can help with, like, childhood trauma. And he's like, I don't have childhood trauma. Bitch, yes, your you entire do. childhood is trauma. We've what are you talking it. about? We've se- have you seen your mother? Have, have you seen your father? Yeah, it's like, you have childhood trauma. You know, and Jay's like, everyone wants to tell me there's such a problem with me. Take a look at your life and take a look at my life. And I'm like, okay, James. But, yeah, if he can, if Allie can stay with him on this, then that would be good. They're getting ready to go to the party. Lala wants to bring this bedazzled hamburger clutch, which I'm like, oh, God. It's a sandwich shop. She's I like, thought it was cute. Yeah. She's like, it's sort of a sandwich. Um, we go to Schwartz's apartment, and he's doing push-ups as Sandoval comes over. Ugh. We find out Schwartz was invited by Ariana, and he's like, you know, I'm just going to keep things positive. If I get the sense that Katie's feeling a certain way, I'll just duck out and go to serve. Which I, I felt like this was a continuation of him, like... I, I mentioned last week, I don't know if I mentioned it on the episode, but that moment at, on the uh, trip. glamping trip, uh, 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 I hate that word, um, but that moment on the trip where he's like, nah, maybe you shouldn't go yeah. to Raquel. and Has you know, a conscience. You know, maybe he has an ounce of empathy in there somewhere. Maybe he has, I just feel like he doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's like he's got this little bowl with a little bit of empathy in it and he's like uh, okay now what do i do with this and it's, it's like swartz apologize that's all like, you gotta do I'll, like literally apologize to katie like sincerely and but he's also like you know like you know i think i'm at the tail end of this whole raquel thing i just need to let it breathe out for a month or you could just apologize now yeah like and he's like well and then it pissed me off he's like I would have never kissed Raquel had I known the fallout that was going to happen afterwards and how much it was going to hurt Katie. You did know. 
You, you did know. You knew it was going to hurt her, but you thought it was going to be like everything in the past where you would get away with it after a week or so. Yeah. And Schwartz is like, I talked to Terry when we did like a dog exchange or whatever. And like Terry's upset with me too. Like, cause that's her daughter. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So we go to the something about her party. Uh, Allie and James come by and uh, they try out the sandwiches. They look really good. I, when they keep promoting the, that Greek salad sandwich, I'm like, that sounds really good. I really want that. I'm like, yeah. I want a Greek salad sandwich now. Um, we yeah. need to find an excuse to get to LA. <laughs> get to LA. And LVP walks in and she's so excited for them. And she's like, you know, I always said, if you want something, ask, or if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. <laughs> I mean. So LVP, James and Allie start talking. LVP is asking about the Imagine Fest. It's like, how many people are you playing to? And there's this long pause. And James is like, it doesn't matter the amount of people. It's just, you know, it's the connections. It's, it's you know. <laughs> and LVP is like, you know, Allie, Allie's coming with you to obviously keep an eye on you. And Allie's like, no, it's just for support. And it's kind of a moment like, oh, you kind of like talk back to Lisa it's a like, little bit. She's got the same energy for everybody. And that's, I respect her for that. Yeah. And James is like, you know, Allie's not a pushover. And, you know, LVP is like, good, because needs, she needs to sort of hold you tight and stand strong in this. Um, you know, you've come up and she's like, you've come a long way. You're not there yet, but like, you know, well, and I I thought it was nice because a lot of people, she would have LVP would have clapped back to on that. Yeah. But I think Allie earned her respect. I think she knows that James needs that like in a certain way. Um, and LVP (laughs) ends it with, this was great. LVP is like, I suppose he'll be getting so much more money. He'll be able to send flowers for my birthday. And James was like, oh, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's LVP's birthday. So then Terry comes by, and she's obviously loving the shop and, and is so exciting. Katie's like, it's so great to see, you know, this full circle moment of having my mom here. And she jokes, he's like, but also I'm going to be putting her ass to work ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina asks Ariana if Raquel's coming, and Ariana said, no, she's just going to come to Sir afterwards. And Ariana talks about how she's not picking a side right now between Katie and Raquel, um, and but you know trying her best to sort of navigate it. She will soon. Yeah, um, we found out Sheena's tested positive for COVID, um, so she's FaceTiming in, and she congratulates Katie too. So you know, yeah, you know, I'm willing to give Sheena her redemption. Yeah, uh, if she you know apologizes, which she seems to have done, and you know. Well, and she seems to be squarely on the right side of things yeah, in the next episode. It's so. very easy when, <laughs> you know, all, all the stuff is happening. Um, so Schwartz and Sandoval then arrive. Schwartz gives Katie flowers and Katie's like, thank you. But like, you know, baseline, obviously. You know, and then you like he has a moment. It's like, oh, I love the space. I almost love it as much as Schwartz. And oh, well, I'm not going to talk. I, I won't say that. Like, and see, that's that at least is he stopped another, himself. It's another moment where I feel like he was he went oh, this isn't about me. We should focus back on... And I I was like, you have these glimpses where it's coming through. Like, there is a... I feel like there could be maybe a kernel of a good person in there. Yeah. But you don't know how to... you, You have had so many years of conditioning from Sandoval that you don't know how to be that person. Right. And... I, again, I'm seeing glimpses, and I think it's because he's finally feeling betrayed by Sandoval, so it's starting to break things in his brain. So, I, I don't know. This is my conspiracy theory, uh, but I, I really think that if Sandoval is still on the show next year, which there I think will he be, will. 
there will be a huge rift. There will be them. a huge rift. I I don't think Sandoval's going to leave. I think, and I honestly don't necessarily think he should leave. I think Raquel's done. I, I don't see the path for Raquel, to be honest, unless she's actually going to commit to Sandoval. But I think I, I think she might just for the paycheck. Maybe I mean that I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they head to Sir. Uh, Katie and Terry walk in and Raquel's there, but like they they walk right past Raquel as deserved. Like mm-hmm. fuck Raquel. Um, Ari and this was so Ariana is like with Tom or whatever, and she, she's like, you know, I'm drinking tonight to be wild to wild out with you, like showing like, look, I'm making an effort. To do the things that you want me to do. Right. And the things that make you happy. She's trying so hard. And it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And Sandoval and his confessionals. Obviously, I love Ariana. Obviously. Bitch where? Fuck off. But with how different we are as people, we've kind of grown apart. And then Sandoval's like, you know, it's not just her fault. This is also my fault. This, this is where I'm like... This is also a narcissist tactic of like, I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming both of us. He, we see in like trailers for the, the yep. main finale of him going, I wish we both would have tried harder. Fuck you. Fuck you. This is your fucking fault. But Sandoval says, I, you know, he hopes Ariana and him will get back to where they were. And he's like, it's the best relationship I've ever been in. It's a weird thing to say. He say also, he your some- last relationship was was Kristen and that was hella toxic with both of you. Yeah. So like I just I, I don't know that you have really anything to compare it to. But it's such a weird transactional way to put it though. Yeah. It's like it's gross. Um LVP like says tries to taste Raquel's sandwich to make sure there's not poison in it, which I thought was funny. Um Schwartz then sits down and talks to Terry. And Schwartz is like, you know, you know, I'm glad we, you know, we still have a good relationship. I took, you know, taking you out for Mother's Day. And she's like, yeah, that was really nice. And she, he's like, you know, it's hard knowing I won't be spending the holidays with you guys, obviously. And Terry's like, you know, I, think I told you, like, you're always going to be family in terms of this. But when it comes to the marriage, you blew it. Yeah. Terry, <laughs> Terry, Queen Terry this episode. We'll get to it. Queen Terry. Yeah. Terry is, deserves sainthood. And Terry's like, look, you guys made an agreement. Nobody in the friend group. And Schwartz is like, you know, six months went by and we had a kiss in Mexico and it was just a fleeting moment or whatever. And he's like, I wasn't thinking about the tentative verbal agreement to not make out at the time. Why did you have to think about it? Why wasn't it something that just naturally came to you? Like, yeah, it's probably not a good thing to do. Maybe, you, maybe oh. you shouldn't have had to make an agreement to realize that Anything like that would have hurt her feelings. Also, now, now that I think about it, I'm not, sure, I'm not even giving him that benefit of the doubt. Because to say, like, oh, I wasn't thinking about the tentative verbal agreement, which is also leading by saying tentative. But, like... Also bullshit, because you literally had been talking about it all the season before leading up to that. Also, so. leading up to the kiss, you're like, Katie's going to be, you know, upset about it. But whatever. Literally, you did it to hurt her. So, like, don't tell me it was out of your mind. And Terry and Terry gets emotional and he and her voice kind of cracks too. And it's like, you know, it it just feels like it was a slap in the face. And Terry's like, Katie was crying to me earlier about not one not having this friendship. And Schwartz is like, I'm right here though. It's like, are you? Are you? Yeah. And Terry says, like, you know, what you did really hurt Katie. And 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 straight up asked Schwartz, was it worth it? And Schwartz is like, no, it wasn't worth it. So then this scene. 
Ariana and Raquel go over and talk by the bar. And fuck Raquel. I'm s- this is, by the way, the conversation that Lala is talking about on Watch What Happens, Watch Live. What Happens Live a few weeks ago. And she's right. It's bad. It's, really it's awful. And, you know, Ariana's like, you know, I obviously, you know, Katie and you have your issues. You know, I'm, I'm understanding of Katie's feelings, though, because I'm even though I like you, because I'm thinking of what I was like, what it would be like if I was in her position. And, and Raquel's like, definitely. Yeah. And are, like, you don't believe either because based on the conversation later, you don't understand what Ariana's saying at all. And Ariana, you know, tries to tell she's like, I try to tell Katie, you know, like Raquel is sweet and I love her. You know, and Schwartz is the person who made the agreement with you. That's, that's the one who you really should be mad at. But Katie brings up, but Katie then brings up, like, you know, we were at the wine shop and Katie really opened up to you and was vulnerable about, you know, how it would upset her. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing. It's like, I agree. In a normal scenario, it's on Schwartz. It's not on Raquel. But also, Katie, Raquel knew this. Right. And, especially, and explicitly was like, fuck you, Katie. So, fuck you then. Like, and Ariane's like, but you felt like the, you know, those things had changed right when you were in Vegas. And that's the other frustrating thing is that it's clear to, with, in the cases of Sheena and Ariana, Raquel has manipulated that Vegas trip right. as if it was worse than it actually was. Yeah. That, like Katie came for me and was so mean. So that's why I did it. I'm sorry. You at the table were like, me and Swartz didn't make out. And Lala rightly pointed out only because Schwartz said, no, you would have been willing to do it. Right. And Katie rightfully was pissed at you. And, and Terry was respectful to you, but was stern in terms of you're saying that you would just make out with Schwartz or whatever. That's upsetting to Katie. That's all really Terry said. And then you went to Sheena, and I'm assuming Ariana as well, and spun as like, Terry's mom was so mean to me. Fuck off. Like, you know, and then Raquel's like, I realized I really shouldn't put so much emphasis on what other people think of me. You know, and I'm, I don't need to be friends with Katie or Lala. Good, you're not getting it. <laughs> yeah. That's long past. Um, and then this, okay, so we were wondering what is, what is Raquel's doing here and what Sandoval's in this conversation? Right. So she's like, she says this, thing, talks about like, I'm fine with not being friends with Lala and Katie anymore. By the way, I wanted to ask, how are you and Tom doing? Out of nowhere. Why would she even know her and Tom have issues? Why would she know? Why, what would instinctually make her bring that up in that conversation? Yeah. It's, ugh, it's so nefarious. And Ariana's like, yeah, we had like a big fight like the night before. And then Raquel's me like, do you think, because I remember when I opened up to you about James and I not having sex. You said Sandoval and you go through dry spells. Immediately. Like, what did, to bring up sex? Immediately be like, yeah, we had a fight. And then immediately be like, so you guys having sex? Those were planted by Sandoval. Clearly. There's no way they weren't. Because she, why would she know this information? Why would she know these talking points? Why, there's, it makes, why would the flow of the conversation be going this way it makes no fucking sense and she just wants to pry information she wants to pry sound bites out of her on camera to right. then use against her when this whole thing happens and they try to blame ariana for it it's gross and ariana is like 
you know, it's like, yeah, but I need intimacy. Like, you can't just whip your dick out and be like, yeah, let's fuck. And then Raquel, like, takes a pause and goes, I feel like in a relationship, you should want to, like, have sex. The boldness of the fucking mistress. Yeah. Talking to this woman that she is having sex with her boyfriend and being like, I just feel like, you, you know, if you love him, you'd have sex. Shut the fuck up. And Ariana, like, and this, this was also, like, where I think it was rehearsed by and planted by Sandoval. Like, Ariana then tries to respond, like, in a normal conversation and explain, like, okay, like, I'll explain, like, the emotional context part. And Raquel keeps talking over her to try to get another question in. Yeah, she goes, and goes, do, do, you, do you feel like you're sexually attracted to him? And she clearly asked that either, either there's two, this question, it's either she's asking it herself or it's, it's for Sandoval. Because if it's for Sandoval, he wants a soundbite of her saying, honestly, it's been distant or whatever. So she, he can then use that against her. Right. Or it's Raquel saying it herself because she wants the justification of knowing, well, she's not attracted to him. So me fucking him, she's already distant from him, right? Right. So that almost justifies it in my head if I'm right. Around. She's trying to, I think it's both actually. So it's like she's happy to ask this question that Sandoval asked her to ask yeah. because she wants to be able to give herself some, well, they were already over. Mm -hmm. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. And Ariana, but Ariana doesn't answer that. Ariana goes, yeah, he's fucking hot. And Raquel's like, okay. And she's like, but, you know, I'm, I'm not hot. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure he's not like, yeah, I want cellulite and fat thighs and a big ass and bingo arms. And Raquel, with her performative pattern, like, stop, Ariana. <laughs> her acting is so bad this episode. It's terrible. And she's like, you know what? It makes me feel really sad because I think that way about myself, too. And, like, does her crying. And then in her confessional, to have the goal to be like, I'm sure Ariana's body insecurities have a role in the issues that Tom and Ariana are having. There's no way to feel like that and be having good sex. How dare you? How fucking dare you? Like weaponizing that against her? Fuck off. Yeah. And she's like, clearly you want to stay in the relationship. And she's like, yeah, I want to work. on." And, and as, as Ariana's like, yeah, of course. Uh, Raquel's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, she's like, I mean, like, again, it's like she was trying, I agree. There was part of it where she was trying to get it out for herself. Yeah. And trying to be like, well, maybe I can weave this to where I can still be friends with Ariana and still be with Tom. Right. It, uh, she's well, because I maintain that the plan was to act like they didn't get together until after everything. Right. And that Tom was going to break up with Ariana after the reunion so that they didn't have to deal with any of it on camera mm -hmm. and then act like him and Raquel were just getting together. And then that way they could use, well, you didn't think it was that big of a deal when Raquel kissed Schwartz right after, yeah. right after him and Katie broke up. So you what, can't be mad. Cause that's that what I'm he's doing with, to Katie. Yeah. Katie, he's always like, I mean, you guys broke up. You're single people. He, how many times this season? He's like, I mean, you're every, you two are single. So it's, it's all been this giant orchestration. Yeah. To make sure that, 
Raquel and Sandoval could get away scot free with yep. this. And and yeah. Um going for so quick quick note that we won't dwell on too much, but like uh we see a quick shot of Katie's brother Joey and he's hot. Uh yeah. Kate, <laughs> good jeans. Um Lala then sits down to talk to MVP or MVP, LVP. <laughs> well, and Ken. Um uh and LVP, you know, uh he's like they're talking about the sandwiches and LVP jokes like, you know, that I tested the sandwiches, you know, at at my house. I mean our house in terms of Ken. <laughs> and Ken goes, When she kicks me out, it'll be all hers. Ken looked like he was on like a Kalanapin or something. Like he was like zoned the fuck out. <laughs> he was just like feeling himself. And then Lala, so Lala then asked, like, you know, do you think I could find somebody with it that I would be able to be with for 40 years like you guys? And LVP's like, of course, you know, of course you can. And Lala talks about how she kind of just wants to have another baby and essentially co-parent with her mom. Because she doesn't trust another man to not walk out on her. She specifically says, I want to know that the next child I bring into the world, there's no chance that they'll be taken from me and that it won't be me seeing my child won't be dependent on another person's behavior. And that's yeah. sad. Like, you know, it, it's, it, I, you know, I, I think Lala is going to, I think Lala's got a good head on her shoulders and I think she'll find someone. We then get a quick scene where Schwartz is like talking, thinking like he smells bad. And it like, and the person he's saying, actually is like, yeah, you smell bad. <laughs> it's like, and then he puts lemon on his armpits. It's so awkward. He's like, my hippie friends do this. Okay. So then this scene. Buckle the fuck up. So Katie is sitting with a bunch of people, right? And Raquel comes up and sits right next to her. Apparently and, they're talking about eating ass. Yeah, her, <laughs> Katie's like gay friend. Or was like, we're talking about eating ass over here. And Raquel goes, oh, fun. <laughs> that sounds so fun. Maybe I'll try that on Stan. Oh, forget I said anything. And then this, Raquel then is like, Katie, I just wanted to congratulate you on the shop. And Katie's like, thank you. I said it online. This was like Tommy Wiseau level acting by Raquel. She was so, I don't know what planet she was on the way she was acting. here. It was awful. And she's like, after Tom Tom, I figured it might not be good for me to show up, but I tried your sandwich. It tastes bomb. You know, I heard about Swartz, and I know you've heard about Swartz and me making out at the bayou yesterday. So we, we skipped over this, but they had literally been talking earlier in the episode about this that rumor were... that had been gone around, and Katie texted Schwartz about it, and Schwartz denied it. Yeah, but now she's saying it happened. So it's like, did it happen or did it not happen? I don't think it did happen, but... Because Schwartz knows that she's off limits now. Yeah. But, um, like, now we've got conflicting stories. That Yeah, it's crazy. But she's like, I heard you about me and Schwartz kissing in the bayou yesterday, which you proceeded to rage text Schwartz about. Which you proceed like, like, you're not even talking like a human. Like, what the... Which you proceeded. Sounds a lot like... Um, my very presence. Yeah. It's a very same vein. Yeah. And Katie's like, no, I didn't rage text him. I texted him. And, and Raquel asks, well, why? And Katie goes, why did you text him? And Katie goes, no. So here's the thing. So I, basically he gaslights me saying I've been overreacting since Cancun, which I love that she, so just so you understand, so I can break it down for you. Um, 
And Raquel's like, I mean, you filed for divorce. And, you know, if Schwartz and me did make out, it's kind of none of your business. The fucking gall of this bitch. And Katie's like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Like, like, <laughs> clear, this was like Katie being like, you're just trying to have a TV moment. I don't blame her for allegedly telling Stassi. I don't even think, like, because she allegedly told Stassi, the worst part about this is that I don't even think they like each other and they're just doing this for television to fuck with me. It's a very similar reaction to how uh, Candy reacted to Courtney. To Courtney on this week's uh, Atlanta. And, but so, yeah, so Raquel tries to justify in the confessional being like the reason she's doing this is that, you know, Schwartz, uh, you know, has such an issue with these rage texts, but he doesn't have the balls to tell Katie that it bothers him. Schwartz tells him, talks about the rage text all the fucking time, whatever. Move on. Like, and then Katie's like, we've been together for 12 years. And Raquel, you know, says like, you know, you shouldn't be texting him these things. And Katie goes, why? Why? Why shouldn't I be texting him? Tell me. Why shouldn't I be doing it? And Raquel's like, it's not my, it's not your place. And Katie, you know, is like, what does it matter to you? Like, wh- why do you care? So like, it's not her place to text him about it, but it's your place to come up to her at her launch party. Yeah. Where's and, your place? And get mad at her about it. Like, Stay in your lane. How about that? And then this, the goal for Raquel to be like, I mean, you're in the text messages threatening to take the dogs away, and I don't really appreciate it. You're literally keeping Graham from James. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. And Katie goes, you don't have to appreciate anything. And Katie like, is like, who the hell is Raquel to tell me <laughs> how to run my fucking life? Like on a baseline level, it's like, who the fuck are you to talk to me like this? And, and you know, Katie even goes, it's like, do you even want to be with him? And Raquel's like, I'm getting to know him. He's very kind. Shut up. And, and Katie's like, you have no empathy and you have no respect. And Raquel's like, maybe I feel more empathetic for Swartz than you. And like, cut to Lala sitting next to Tear. And Lala's like, trying not to get out of her chair she's She's like like literally doing deep breathing exercises (laughs) yeah and katie goes that's your opinion you should stick it up your ass and katie and like at a certain point katie then like turns to lala like is like are you hearing this shit and lala's like i'm in fucking awe (laughs) like which that lala was me i was like i cannot believe this is happening and then this is a this is an actual thing that comes out of Raquel's mouth. She goes, "Look, all I know is I had a fucking bomb ass glamping trip with my best closest friends, and it was a vibe." What, what? the fuck? What? <laughs> you're, you're so corny and stupid. Like, ugh, she's crazy. Nobody gives a shit about your shitty fucking glamping trip. Yeah. And like Katie's like, <laughs> Katie looks to Lala again, being like, Are you like, what the fuck? And Lala goes, Katie, you would have had a more com- a productive conversation with a pig. Just be done with it. And Lala's like, I don't even understand why Katie's even engaging with this buffoon. So then this is where I got, I, my, I got fully out of my seat. So Terry then is like, Raquel, can I ask you something? And Raquel and goes, Let's preface this with Terry was the sweetest she could have it's like she literally approached this like 
somebody's sweet old grandma. I literally think the reason it really resonated with me a lot, too, is like she reminds me of my mother in yeah. certain ways. Yeah. And she, I think she reminds of a lot of people's mothers. Like she's the most like innocent, sweet, like. But she goes like, you know, can I, Raquel, can I ask you something? And Raquel goes, what, Terry? Excuse me? Excuse the fuck out of me. And but they kind of don't. It doesn't register. And Terry's like, you know, after our conversation in Vegas, you know, did it mean anything to you? And Raquel rolls her eyes and goes, oh, my God. And at this point, Katie's done. Katie's like, don't say, oh, my God, that's my fucking mother. Don't treat her with some goddamn respect. And I love Lala just being like, where the fuck were you raised? And then Katie's, Katie, like, jumps on that. It's like, yeah, where were you raised? Where were you raised? And then she goes, you're freaking see you next Tuesday is what you are. And then Ariana just rolls up to the conversation, like, shocked, like, what the fuck's happening? So then Terry even is like, because Terry sees Katie's like losing it, rightfully so. And Terry's trying to bring Katie back to, off the ledge. And Katie's like, no, I'm fucking done with her. And all this time, Schwartz is in the corner and being like, and the people around him are like, should you go over there? He's like, no, I'm not going over there. I'm like, I'm staying in this corner. Fuck that. Which I get is annoying because he's a big part of this fight. Right. And Terry. But ter honestly. He wouldn't have made it better. He would have made it worse. So I kind of am fine with him butting the fuck out. Sure. Terry then gets a word in and goes like, you know, I was trying to be respectful to you, you know, in Vegas, Raquel, and you hurt, you hurt me and you hurt uh, Katie. And Raquel's like, I was just being honest. And she goes, I mean, you were being honest saying, I want to make out with Tommy. And I was like, wow. And then Sandoval out of nowhere comes up behind Ariana and is like, they were not together. What does this have to do with you? Go away. Where did you even come from? It's like that. It, what is that? The, uh, that gift from the, from the office where, where Dwight is like yeah. standing there. And what's her face shows up at his it's elbow. Like, and he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get him out of here. It's like, and then Sandoval's like, well, Katie's been hooking up with guys and, and everyone's yelling and Ariana just yells, let Terry finish. And then, you know, and then Terry starts, you know, continuing. And then this is where we see Sandoval go in his confessional. I think it's really tacky to have someone's mom fighting your battles for you. Are you, you fucking serious? You know what I think is tacky? Building a restaurant and starting a business off of your mom's fucking credit card. How about that, asshole? You know what I think is really tacky is fucking your wife's best friend for seven goddamn months. But he also says, like, in this confessional, like, nobody's going to clap back at Miss Maloney. Here's an idea, Sandoval. Maybe you could be an adult and have a conversation with someone that you disagree with instead of clapping back. He's mad that he can't, like, call, you know, Terry a jealous bitch or whatever, like he calls Katie and Lala and everyone else. Yeah, because Ariana probably would have turned around and smacked him. Which, by the way, there's a report on Kristen's podcast with, like, a mutual friend that um, was at the party that he allegedly told Terry to fuck off. Which, if that's true, he I, can go fuck himself. Like, I am surprised that he did that and Katie didn't punch him in the mouth. Well, I think her, I think her brother did. Because allegedly her brother also got involved. And, like, yeah. I hope so. And if so, that makes him hotter. <laughs> yeah. And then, so Raquel then tries to go back to the old playbook and go, well, Katie, you told Sheena you were okay with us hooking up. And Terry, Terry goes, shut up, Raquel. That is so wrong. And Sandoval goes... But that actually happened. And I literally screamed, were you there? 
He keeps saying things as if they're facts, as if he was there for conversations where he wasn't. Yeah. You weren't there. He acts as if he was there when the deal was made between Katie and Schwartz. He wasn't fucking there. Shut the fuck up if you don't know what the fuck you are talking about. How hard is that? It's really not. Oh. So Sandoval then just starts yelling more at Katie. And Raquel tries to touch her arm. And Katie's like, don't fucking touch me. And then Raquel's like, fine, I won't touch you. And then leaves and goes, sorry, you're fucking jealous. She's an idiot. Fucking moron. And then literally Sandoval sits down next to Terry and goes, here's the issue. I'm like, why are you sitting? Get the fuck out of here. What do you even have to do with this? Nothing. Other than you're fucking Raquel and nobody knows it. Exactly. That's the thing where it's like, why are you invested in something that has nothing to fucking do with you beyond the fact that you're fucking this girl? In any other scenario where you're trying to act like you're not fucking her, it makes no sense for you to be this invested. But he goes, here's the issue. It's, this was hilarious to me. He goes, here's the issue. It seems to me that the only perspective that matters is Katie. And Terry goes, I knew you were going to say that. Call his ass out. <laughs> Terry also knows Sandoval's pl- platter. Like, yeah. And then Peter is over with Swartz hiding in the plants and <laughs> being like, should you go over there? And then LVP, we see LVP and then Ariana comes over and Ariana starts crying to LVP being like, I just want to go home. Like, and she's like, I feel like I'm being pulled in two different directions with Katie and Raquel and I don't like the screaming and all that. And LVP is, and she's like bawling. And LVP's like, also points out like, I don't think it's right for Swartz to be hiding right now as Raquel's taking the brunt of this when it's him who is part of this whole issue and then we just cut the swords whistling being like like the performative whistling yeah whatever and so it's like this summer has just been so fucking awful to me and then um katie katie is then like done with sandoval at this point and because he says something about you don't take accountability or whatever his classic line and she just goes stop talking about accountability and this is where christina christina jumps up and goes Sandoval, why don't you focus on your girlfriend who's clearly upset right now instead of focusing on Katie? Focus on that. That's your relationship right there. And he doesn't even get up and go to Ariana. Yeah. Idiot. And Katie tells Sandoval, unless you start treating me like a human, I'm done. And that I, I felt that because I yeah. agree. Like there is a dehumanization of Katie that is pissing me off this season. Um, and as Katie, Katie leaves and uh, she like, goes to Schwartz and goes, I'm done with you. And then Raquel snickers and Lala's like, I mean, I can't believe she's snickering over there with, with Schwartz. And then Katie gets pissed and starts walking back towards them. And I'm like, if she punches Raquel, it would be so deserved. But no, she grabs Schwartz and is like, you know, pissed at him. Then they go into the alley, the famous Sir Alley to have a, to have a conversation. Like Katie then goes like, can I speak? And Schwartz is like, yeah, you can speak. And then Katie starts and goes, you know, I've just been beaten down. And Schwartz then immediately talks over her and tries to make it about himself. I think she got three words into the sentence before he started interrupting her again. Yeah. And then, so then Raquel rolls up (laughs) uninvited again. And Katie's like, just go away. Like we're having a private conversation. Go the fuck away. And then, you know, she like Katie, like, like almost pushes her and Raquel and Schwartz are like, don't push, don't put your hands on her. And Schwartz is like, let Raquel talk again, sticking up for someone who's not Katie again, constantly. And Raquel, and it's one thing for him to do that in any other case. Raquel has already disrespected Terry. Schwartz claims he loves Terry and like even divorced of Katie. Like, and then Raquel goes, 
listen, I'm an empathetic person. And <laughs> Katie just goes, no, you're not. You are not an empathetic person. And then she's like, you know, you were hurt and it hurt more because it was me and I'm sorry. And then she's like, it wasn't my intention. And Swartz goes, it wasn't with malice. Cut Bull back. fucking shit. Fucking rewind to after the kiss of them just being like, I mean, she wasn't my friend, so whatever. You know, and it's like, Katie's like, you guys don't even like each other. You know, whatever. And Swartz is like, yeah, we're just buddies. And then Raquel starts laughing. And Katie mocking laugh going, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, this is the moment where I was like, this was a, sh and, and then Raquel's like, oh yeah, because Raquel then says, we just had to experiment. That's a Schwartz line. That is something yeah. Schwartz would say. So yeah, she doesn't have her own brain. You know, Katie in her confessional is like, I, had, I gave you a shot. You blew it. Take your six personalities and get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. And honestly, yeah, because she isn't her own person. She's whoever will, she'll follow at whatever moment. And then Schwartz is like, but it was a sincere apology. And Katie's like, we're done. I'm done with this. And walks off from Schwartz. And Schwartz is just left to kind of mope on the bench. We go back into the party and, and there's birthday cake for Lisa. <laughs> and they're just like, happy birthday. <laughs> and I also love LVB trying to blow the can Because it's like the sparkler candles or whatever. But uh -huh. tries to blow them and goes, still great at a blow job. <laughs> Had to get that line in. And Lisa's like trying to give her like speech or whatever. And it's like, where's Schwartz? And Katie's like, why do you need him? No one needs him. <laughs> and then this is what, again, was meant to be the finale. And this is definitely a finale. And it feels like a finale speech for season 10 of like, yeah, you know, like this big, like full circle moment. And LVP is like, you know, you've been through so much and you'll learn how to deal with your problems as you get older. You know, you all love each other, but, you know, don't let life get the better of you. And I love you all so much. And it's like a big, sweet moment. And they're like smiling and, and cheering and, and all that stuff. And just Ariana and Tom just like smiling and laughing. And then fade. Next time on the season finale of Vanderpump Rules. And it's just everything. Like it's. So this is gonna, then going to be everything post-filming. Yeah. And it's going to be. I don't know how they're going to introduce it. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I'm pumped. I, I'm so pumped. I had goose. I had already watched the trailer multiple times, but even watching at the end of the episode, I had goosebumps. Oh like, yeah. It, it was so good. I'm, I'm so excited for Vanderpump rules and I'm so excited for that reunion for Ariana to read their asses to fucking filth. All right. So we got a lot of candidates for tops and bottoms this week. We got, and plus we have Atlanta to pull from as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got Atlanta, Jersey, survivor and vanderpump babe what you thinking my bottom is raquel i am so <laughs> fucking fed up with her this episode yeah like there is no like innocence there's no like you know i gave her a top like early before the scandal all happened and i honestly feel upset about it like <laughs> she is terrible and and, and and you know i think it's 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 vile what she did in that conversation with ariana and so disgusting and she had multiple opportunities if she had a conscience to break things off with Sandoval because she knew what she was doing and she didn't do it. Also, the yeah. way she treated Katie was terrible and her fucking mother, which what, how the fuck are you going to attack someone's innocent mother in all this? How's that ever been? I don't think I've seen a moment like that on Bravo where a mother who did not deserve that shit got attacked like that. It's insane. It's yeah. fucking insane. But conversely, my top for the week goes to Queen Terry. 
Terry is one of the best, like, I think mother of the year on Bravo. Yeah. Like, the way she, like, like stands by her child, the way she supports her, the way she held Schwartz to account, and, and, and when she told Kay- Raquel at the end of that to shut up, I was like, ooh, it was so earned. It was so fucking earned. Well, and, and the fact that she did everything without ever raising her voice, without ever becoming rude, without ever speaking cross to anyone. Yeah. It was all incredibly classy. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I wish I could. No, no, I couldn't do that. I like being mean. Um, but, <laughs> but I love that for her. <laughs> yeah. So those are my tops and bottoms for the week. What do you think, babe? Um, I think um, my bottom... It is very tempting to give the award to Sandoval yet again. Mm. Um, but I think I think I have to go back to Jersey and give it to Louie. Yeah, that was icky. It was it that like that conversation in the bedroom was so like it it just gave me like made my my arm hair stand on the mm-hmm. end and not in a good way. It was very much a I don't feel safe in this environment. And watching Teresa, she did not feel safe in that environment either. Yeah. And it 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 was very, very, very activating. Mm-hmm. Like anxiety activating, like I'm in danger. And I don't like that for Teresa. And I, and you thought Louie looked tense. Like it just it was it was gross. Yeah. Um so more positively, <laughs> I I want to give my top spot I I love I love Terry as well. Yeah. But to give us a little bit of variety, I'm going to give it to Katie because I think she gave back mm-hmm. every bit she was given and more this episode and i just i love how and let's be clear there's a lot of katie haters online i don't know how you're getting to that Ugh. conclusion um watching this like i feel like they may have given y'all different episodes like there were i saw a com- like like one every 100 comment was like her mom should have been quiet and i was like what is wrong with you? Who like who raised Raquel? Who raised you? Like oh, right. And but um but Katie was just on fire. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a long time coming. I think um you know, I'm just really was glad to see her let into Raquel and for her to try to let into Sandoval or not Sandoval Schwartz. Um, and I just, it was nice because this episode, we start to see everything start to unravel in this giant Machiavellian plan. Mm-hmm. And I think Sandoval still thought he got away with it because he was like, it's the finale. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of inklings, but that's fine. We wanted things to look like they were unraveling a little bit mm-hmm. at this point so that at the after the reunion, we could reveal, well, we're no longer together. Um, he thought he was in the clear. He thought he was in the clear. Um, he was not, um, <laughs> as we will see next week. Um but yeah, I just I thought Katie was 
That, this Beautifully is, done. This Chef's has been yes. her season. Yeah, she, like, completely. Credit to Katie. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. <laughs>